0: We have the new product at InfoWarsLife.com,
1: BioTrue Selenium. We've had so many requests over the years for selenium, and just recently, we were able to source a certified organic bioavailable selenium from mustard seed extract. When you take selenium in the body, it actually benefits the detoxification systems in your body. It helps balance the thyroid gland, it helps detoxify. Selenium is another one of those absolute must-haves. The highest concentration of selenium is in the thyroid gland, but it's actually used all over the body. As a matter of fact, there's 25 genes in the body that are directly dependent upon selenium, so it really is a all-around nutrient that everybody really needs. I'm taking it
0: now, every day. This is so key. BioTrue selenium is the product, the best selenium that we could bring you. We believe it's the best out there at a very, very low price. Exclusively available at InfoWarsLife.com or by calling toll-free 888-253-3139.
2: Attention, patriots. Tired of the tyranny and crime in the sanctuary cities? Flee the city and seek refuge in the American Redoubt. Fleethecity.com. Move to the freedom of Idaho, Montana, or Wyoming. Fleethecity.com. Fleethecity.com.
0: You've
3: made a serious investment in protecting yourself and your family. You've purchased a gun, the ammunition, the training, and even secured a license to carry in your state. You know the Constitution and don't believe you should have to pay for a right that you already have as written in the Second Amendment, but you are law-abiding. Now you are considering the legal defense options you should have if you ever have to use a firearm. Self-Defense Fund is a comprehensive litigation membership backing you on appeals, legal expenses, court costs, and more. Up to $1 million per incident and unlimited attorney costs per member. Discover SelfDefenseFund.com for
1: yourself. Any weapon, any state, any time.
2: Are you sick and tired of just being sick and tired? Are you sick and tired of being told that you are somehow privileged? Are you sick and tired of being told to shut up both at work and at school? Are you sick and tired of panhandlings pestering you whenever you go out to shop or to eat? Are you sick and tired of jobs that never come and an economy that never goes anywhere? Are you sick and tired of having to take orders from incompetence? Are you sick and tired of movies and television shows that depict a white man as a bumbling incompetent? Are you sick and tired of a government that welcomes non-white immigrants and exposes you to diseases? If you are sick and tired of being sick and tired, then the American Freedom Party is for you. Connect with us, theamericanfreedomparty.us. Once again, AmericanFreedomParty.us
1: Now's your chance to get the last of the Resolution Radio Blood Tees. Only a few left available before we try to do a reorder. This has been a high selling item and we really appreciate everyone's support in getting this shirt and showing their pride as well as showing their heritage. Nothing counts more than blood. Get yours today from Resolution Radio. Only $25 plus $5 shipping and handling. It really helps the network improve and you really get a great product to showcase what you truly believe in. Nothing counts more than blood. Only from Resolution Radio at resolutionrdo.com. Send check, money order, or well-concealed cash to Sonny Thomas at P.O. Box 27, Springboro, Ohio, 45066. That's Sonny Thomas at P.O. Box 27, Springboro, Ohio, 45066. You're listening to Resolution Radio. Radio, Radio. ResolutionRDO.com
2: imitated never duplicated this is the one and only Nation. your guiding light in a sea of degeneracy
3: Hello and welcome to FTN 531. This is the show that is the sworn enemy of unshut lying mouths, Jewish hypocrisy, grugness, and thinkle think with talent on loan from Dr. Goebbels. Excellence and anti-Semitism right in the middle of Shabbat. At least the way we're going, because I still didn't get Kyle the ARC details, so this probably isn't going up until Saturday. But you never know, he might turn it around. Warren, hello sir, how are you? Hope you're feeling a little bit better than you were earlier in the week.
4: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm alright. It's moved up into my sinuses, so I'm probably going to sound a little nasal on this, but otherwise, uh, I'm feeling I'm feeling good. Uh, happy Martin Luther King. Happy the Reverend Dr. Martin <laughs> Luther King Jr. Day. I've always loved how yeah. many different uh, things you can attach to that. Like, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.
3: the um, dishonorable Reverend
4: yeah, Degenerate, yeah, Dr. yeah Martin yeah, Luther King.
3: Did you see the statue, the the phallic statue? Oh yeah, I did, I around?
4: did, I did. I mean, I just I, I, I scrolled and I saw that on Telegram. I'm like, what the hell is that? And I kept scrolling, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but it's yeah. So, I, it's, <laughs> i i, I shared disgusting. the postage stamp you know the, the the we talked about it i think last year but the plaque that uh where they meant to thank james earl jones for the martin luther king tribute and they uh, put underneath it by accident big picture of martin luther king and it said underneath it thank you james earl ray and i was like <laughs> yeah I, when i saw that on the news dad and i still laugh about that it was i think in the late 90s that story on the on the nbc nightly news and they big plaque of Martin Luther King underneath it. Thank you, James Earl Ray. I think somebody lost their job over that.
3: Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, I saw his picture going around. Yeah, it's it's sort of like uh, steady as she goes into Black History Month and, and all of that. And we'll we'll talk a little bit about the the reparations that are being proposed. And, you know, I was sort of a shot in the dark with this Tim Pool thing uh, that I wrote on dissident-mag.com a couple of weeks ago. But sure enough, that's exactly what has happened, um, is that Conservatives took a position on on reparations, where uh, they say that they're for them. Um, as long as we don't give money to Ukraine, but you know nobody's going to stop that. So now conservatives can be for reparations under certain conditions, and uh, the other side of the Finkel thinks kosher sandwich can be f- also for reparations under certain conditions, and they can fight about that. Um, it's always it's always how the argument goes. But we'll talk about that a little bit later if we have time. We have a bunch of other stuff to get to today. The biggest one, though, and you'll like this, Warren, because I know you're a lover of history um, and you know kind of... The way that especially like robert e lee um these kinds of things uh you know what he had to say here because his birthday was on thursday january 19th uh if if he had uh lived as this long he would have been 216 years old um we're we're slowly probably moving beyond the point where you know how it's kind of interesting if you think about this warren like your grand, like I had a great grandparent who was still alive when, when I was a child. So, uh, that great grandparent, um, was alive when someone they knew was alive at the same time as Robert E. Lee. You know what I mean? Like that's how you can sort of like touch history in that way. And so, but we're slowly approaching the point where there's going to be like too many, uh, too many pieces removed. Like, you know, our parents, uh, well, maybe not. Um, but, our grandparents were alive when Hitler was alive, and they would have grown up and been very very aware of Hitler. But at some point, a couple generations down down the line, it's it's going to be kind of the same thing where Hitler becomes more of a mythical figure, and, and Robert E. Lee is becoming uh, kind of that way. And I don't mean to compare the two men, but but I think you know what I mean. No,
4: I, I know exactly what you mean. I, I had a conversation recently with an elderly relative who uh, is very old, and she was born in 1929, and we were discussing uh, – just history a little bit. I was trying to pick her brain a little bit. And, you know, it's a weird thing because when she was born, uh, Bonnie and Clyde and John Dillinger were still running around. <laughs> like that was actually, they yeah. still, th- it was before it was just before they got started. Now she was about my son's age when, when they were running up and down the Midwest, uh, mm-hmm. robbing banks. But yeah, if she was born in 1929, there would have been people, very old people when she was born, who were alive, probably of course, during the Civil War when it was actually going on. Would have on. known, you, you Lee, know, so, yeah, yeah or would yeah, have been yes. Aware
3: of Lee, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I love
4: mean, that kind of thing when you can when you can take like jump back through history through. It's almost like the uh, you know Kevin Bacon game, you know, where it's like three degrees removed, two degrees removed. I love that yeah. where you can do that with history and how many how few jumps do you have to go to get back to Napoleon or Julius Caesar or whoever, you know.
3: Well, and people have to realize like how, you know, how real a lot of the history that seems fake or just uh, it's like not real because it's in a book uh, or the photos are black and white. Like the further back you go, it it feels less and less real. What What's interesting, a lot of interesting thing, things to think about is because, you know, we're so used to kind of there being a line of demarcation where. The quality of there's either it's so far back there's no video of it and then it's even so far back that there are no photos of it right but like at some point in the future um there'll be several hundred years worth of video history and photo history for people so it will be like will things that happen in the 50s kind of be more real to people a hundred years from now because there's actually video of it right it's kind of weird to think about it like that yeah. Like the the American Revolution is not very real to us because there's no photos and no video, um, but you know it's it's interesting to think about. I think the first time this this hit me was um, uh, an adult in my life told me that uh, that they remembered when the last Civil War veteran died, right. and it sort of and it hit me. It's like how would you have been alive for that? But you think about it, and I just looked it up now, Albert Henry Wilson was the last surviving Civil War veteran, born 1850, um, died in 1956. The guy lived 106 years, um, but which would have been very ab- abnormal, obviously. But I mean, in the 30s and 40s, there would have been probably quite a few of these guys, maybe still around. Um, and you don't have to go that back that far to, to be kind of connected to it. So it's just kind of interesting. That's why, you know, they say when you're younger people should always like make a point of, trying to interview like a grandparent um oh my god and i
4: regret i regret so badly that i didn't try to one yeah my grandparents my grandfathers because my grandmothers died before i was born but both my grandfathers were world war ii veterans and i just wish there had been there's so much more i would have liked to have asked them but then there's other people that i could have met and i i being in this uh born into the movements you know so to speak um it wouldn't have been that hard Uh, I just didn't know about them, but like Leon Degrelle, for instance, um, you know, I, I could have met him. I could have met him, uh, when I was very young, you know, I would have been a Mm -hmm. kid. Uh, Rudolf Hess is another one who was alive when we were, when we were born. I think he died in 1989. Um, now we couldn't have met him because he was in solitary confinement for like 50 years straight and then he was murdered at the end of it. But it's wild to think about, isn't it? That, that, that you and I as, as a uh, geriatric millennials is the new term for people who were born in the early 1980s, but that we could have met and seen and talked with, had a conversation with Rudolf Hess. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just crazy.
3: And, and they say that's why you should take advantage of those connections when you're young. And I, I did an interview uh, my grandfather who kind of kept impeccable historical written <coughs> historical records this was obviously way before 23 and me and and all of the garbage like they you know w- they were doing like actual like genetic research and um deep dives into like family records and whatever and he he actually went all the way back to the 1600s in in Germany um and Knows the churches, knows the towns and those that that research has been proven accurate by uh, contemporary stuff that I've done, um, which is really interesting because, you know, there was an interest in going and figuring all that stuff out. Um, it's like, well, Grandpa, if you had figured all this stuff out before you had gone off to to World War Two, uh, maybe you might have had a different a different feeling about that. But what's interesting, and I think I told you this because my grandfather was German, full blooded German um they did not send him to the german front or or the european front they sent him to the pacific uh as they did with all my family so it's kind of interesting and i don't know if there was an official policy at the time um to intentionally send Anybody with like send the WAPs to Europe, right? No offense to the Italians, but send the WAPs, send the Jews, like there because there were some Jews that fought, send the Irish to Europe um to go fight, but like the the people who are French, the people who are Belgium, Dutch, um, who might have any sort of sympathies uh and have a problem with like going and bombing and doing all the things that they did, send them to the Pacific so that there would be no conflict um, you know, with with that. I wonder I I'm sure there was I'm sure that was intentional. Right.
4: Yeah, well, well, the Italians probably, actually, really, they wouldn't have wanted to send, because the problem with U.S. wars, there's a very cruel thing about U.S. wars that I've always noticed, and that is when we fight our wars, uh, like, they always romanticize the storming of the beaches at Normandy, but the reality is uh, at least half those guys were conscripts, were drafted you know, basically threatened with prison unless they go. And when they're dumped out of those troop transports onto the beach, uh, you know, any other army in history, like, uh, you know, a big example is like Napoleon's Grand Army march- marching into Russia, 600,000 men, the largest army in human history at the time. They were constantly losing guys along the way who were deserters. And deserters, desertion is a big thing in war, and it always has been. But the United States, because whenever we fight our wars, at least in the 20th century, there's always an ocean between ourselves and uh, the people we're sending. It doesn't give our men the choice. So if you're dumping a bunch of draftees on the beaches of Normandy into you know, Waffen-SS machine gun fire, their choice is to literally press on into the machine gun fire or drown. You know, like there mm-hmm. is no place to get, and that would be the problem of sending, I'm sure it happened, where if you send, uh, like, Italians to Italy, a lot of Italians in America at that time still spoke Italian, you know, so they could just oh, disappear right. and yeah. into the well, Italian they never population. Yeah,
3: exactly. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah.
4: So it's like, it's like yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. Both my grandfathers also were in the Pacific uh, theater, and they were both very ethnic. My, my one was 100% mm-hmm. pure uh, German, the other 100% uh, Hungarian. You know and both and they of them, spoke
3: and they spoke German I mean you're yeah, your and my, mine I think
4: yeah yeah my, my I don't think my, my German grandfather his people had been here a long time I don't think he spoke it he spoke it a little bit but the my Hungarian oh. uh, the Baylog he spoke he, yeah he spoke Hungarian so you know
3: yeah he could have Well, my, mine had been it. around for in the US since the 1840s but they unlike a lot of uh, people who showed up here like they stayed in a German community and maintained their German heritage and didn't do the melting pot garbage. So uh, he's kind of unique, but like the ones that, the ones that came in the end of the 19th century, turn of the 20th, it was like, they made this concerted effort for their children not to speak any of the home language because of, you know, they wanted to assimilate and get, get yobs in the American economy. So, um, (laughs) and it sucks because then you end up like totally divorced from the the culture. Uh, so, but, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. And, you know, I've, I'll, I'll have to dig up the pictures sometime cause they're not, I don't think they're they are They won't cause a docs issue, but, uh, I have a picture of, uh, one of my relatives, um, who is a, who is a pilot in world war two B 25 liberator pilot, uh, who was lost in the South Pacific. They never found him. Um, but they have the last picture of him when he was alive. And, uh, he doesn't look like Stryker, but he's smoking a Stryker tier Lucky Strike cigarette in the photo, uh, and he just <laughs> looks like an absolute Chad. Um, and it's sad because he's 25 years old, and just that was the last photo they ever took of him, never found his plane, never found his body. So um, it's it's just uh, – it's a shame because f- for what? Like for why? And we've I think we talked about this recently too. It's like if he hadn't been in that war, how many – I'm sure that he would have had uh, – you know a wife and lots of children um and then there would have been i would have cousins essentially that that aren't that aren't here today as a result of that so um yeah. I, it's, it's a I, shame.
4: I, looking at the ukraine russia footage the latest stuff you know all this uh horrible uh, stuff and that's coming out of the war and a lot of it's being put out by the ukrainian market mark Collette and i were talking about this how it's being put out by the ukrainian by the Zelensky government is yeah. sort of war porn but it's just making me think a lot about war and the reality of it. And, um, you know, when you look at World War II, the sheer numbers of people involved, when you talk about millions of soldiers you know, shot and blown to bits. And it's it's just made me think about how and then having a son, you know, having a child of my own and thinking of him getting older. And it the, the thought I keep coming back to, Jazz, that I'm sure you can relate to is that. It's like there's nothing more noble and more honorable than dying in battle for your country for a good cause. And there's nothing more tragic and horrible than a young man in his prime being shot down and or killed, blown up in battle for a false cause or for bad yes. people. You know, it's like it's the mm-hmm. two poles of the one is like the most noble thing in the world. The other is the most treacherous and tragic and horrible senseless thing in the world um but yeah i've been thinking about that a lot in the last year since this war started with russia and ukraine
3: well the only thing uh worse than dying for uh, a cause that is unworthy or bad or for um you know underhanded reasons is uh having some horrific uh casualty uh and being wounded and having to come back And, uh, you know, the, the, I'm sure you've seen the graph of the people that have, uh, commit suicide and the PTSD and kind of the gone and go insane. And they, they're, it's like a your loved one is home, but they're not home, and like the family sort of slowly disintegrates and falls apart because of, you know, because when you come home, you got opioids waiting for you and alcohol waiting for you and all the the things of American society that you supposedly fought for that are here that are gonna destroy you, essentially. All the things you fought for are waiting for you when you get home to to take everything else you have left it's it's horrible and if you don't go fight for war you have to go to war with those things in this country to try to avoid all of the things that are going to try to take everything from you um whether it's uh you know homosexuality uh it's drug abuse it's it's violent blacks it's just one thing america's a war zone itself you don't even have to sign it for the draft uh to be at risk in this country so um but anyway, I want to I want to talk about Robert E. Lee uh, and and then shift into some of the topics I have here in the prep because we're actually doing prep today. Um, we haven't done prep in a while, but we're getting – we're slowly dialing uh, the FTN back into – it's been very good shows. Don't get me wrong, but we got a, right. got a few things here I want to get to. So 216th um, birthday to Robert E. Lee, um, and a lot of people don't know his father, Light Horse, uh also a uh, very um, – honorable heroic man um and regardless of you know the you know the think think with the confederacy and and all the all the stuff yeah i know we all know about noah or or benjamin judah and i uh, we all know about the whole thing um and we all know about the jews on the other side too people get sort of lost in this where they find the one jew in the confederacy and then they're pro-union and then they find a jew in the union and then they're pro-confederacy it's like guy just do yourself a favor and set the ping pong paddle down and back away from the Finkel table because it's like you're just driving yourself nuts here. Um, but we can we can respect these men, uh, for being men of their time and believing in their cause. And I, the, a lot of these quotes from Robert E. Lee, uh, you know, because of modernity, like you forget. The way that these men like the rigor that these men kind of applied to themselves and i want to read a few of these and then sort of echo them with some jazz hands that that i've had myself over the years so one of them that lee says it says uh, and this one i just put at the top because it just it's something that i say all the time which is i cannot trust a man to control others who cannot control himself right it's very succinct um, you know, model of leadership, uh, model of sort of like, do you want to follow somebody? Do you believe in someone? And it's something that I've said, which is be a fascist, being a fascist first and foremost means being a fascist of your own affairs. Um, and it's, it's pretty self-explanatory. Uh, so, you know, um, looking to the movement, to do things for you, I don't wanna quote JFK here, but um, what can you do for the movement? Like you get exactly from the movement, what you put into it. So if you show up and you say, oh, I thought, you know, there's a community here and I'm gonna get all these things from that. It's like, well, what are you doing for the community? Because if everybody just shows up expecting to get something from it, there's not going to be anything for anyone. It's, you really have to show up and put something into it. Building a fascist is not what can I take from this. So there's kind of an element of that wrapped up in it. But um, Lee, Lee is, you know, I, I would trust Lee. I would go into battle uh, under Robert E. Lee. Uh, maybe not the Civil War, um, but who knows, you know, knowing what these guys <laughs> knew at the time. It
4: was a great experience uh, looking at his statue there. There's footage you know Nathan DeMigo, uh, I just had a visit with, and of course for him Charlottesville was just child play. I was joking about it because the man did, had the two tours of duty as a Marine in Iraq at the height of the insurgency, and then was like in prison in a in a did serious hard time for like five years after that. So for him Charlottesville was like scratching his nose, but for me it was a pretty tense day, and uh, I, I brought up some footage of when we were pushing up against that riot shield wall and it was funny because there's this moment where the person's camera catches like the Identity Europa flag flying in the wind and like right behind it is Robert E. Lee's statue because we were right there like the statue was just almost where we could touch it but uh, yeah it made me think about uh, ever since that day I I felt like a personal connection to Robert E. Lee you know like the -hmm. the Charlottesville thing I'm glad we did that I'm glad I'm not a southerner you know I have I have really no dog in the fight in the civil war uh you talk about a brother war you know and i admire a lot of the southern leaders and everything but it's just not my my war not my fight but uh you know robert e lee was a great man and everyone everyone respected that everyone honored that throughout our history until very recently and now it's yes. just being treated like he's uh you know, Klaus Barbie or, you know, any kind of like villain that they were well, yeah, trying he, to. Yeah,
3: he, he surrendered. He did the honorable thing like he, mm-hmm. he, you know, moved forward. And, you know, this was at a time when they didn't the other side didn't then go prosecute uh, Robert E. Lee and Confederates for war crimes. Right. But right. that's what they that's why what they did to the Nazis was so unprecedented because, um imagine if they had done that to them but this is uh, this is when you have like they started doing that because jews were were uh, accruing even more and more power um in in society i mean there's there's uh, obvious like reasons why things went from being honorable uh to being very dishonorable but yeah um and and of course if you line up robert e like all the Finkel think about the the confederacy versus the union aside if you just look at robert e lee versus uh, Abraham Lincoln on their merits. Um, I we I don't know when we're going to get to the Lincoln deep dive. I actually, have read the books and written most of the deep dive. It was something we were supposed to do like many years ago, but um, the the synopsis. Spoiler Lincoln alert: Lincoln
4: Lincoln sucks.
3: <laughs> well, he's I mean uh, he is a he is a uh, and this is not because I have Confederate like sympathies. I have sympathies to to actually both sides because they were both taken advantage of, but but just on basic facts, and people who disagree with this usually haven't read much about the history. Lincoln was a fraud. Lincoln um, was an absolute fraud. Uh, he was an intellectual fraud, um, and he uh, ultimately was a dishonorable man too, because of the um, suspension of habeas corpus, and then also, which people look at the, it's authoritarianism, but it's like, yeah, but then he freed all the slaves too. How about that fucking authoritarianism? He unleashed this horde on the United States and on the North because of of wages. I don't want to go down the the whole the whole rabbit hole with this, but. But he was also probably a homosexual uh, because of the, the time that he spent uh, sharing a bed with uh, his his buddy. And people say, oh, this is normal back then. And not, not when you read about this. And if you looked at what Mary Todd Lincoln looked like, like, come on. Um, do Do people know what the origin of the log cabin Republican group is? Why they call themselves the log cabin Republicans, like the gay homosexual GOP group. Like they call themselves that after Lincoln. Um and it's it's kind of got a long like the foundation of the Republican Party in anti racism is Abraham Lincoln. And you line that man up and everything about him next to Robert E. Lee and it's like it hands down there's no way I'm gonna sit there and say, oh, I don't have a dog in this fight. And I'm not saying, you know, what you're. Yeah. I'm, I'm not. I'm not bouncing that off what you're saying, Warren. I'm talking about just, just the men themselves. Oh yeah. Like well, just Robert the men Lee. Themselves, you compare Robert John Lee is Wilkes a guy Booth. that I. Robert, <laughs> John Robert Lee is Booth. a guy I would follow into battle anytime, anywhere, any reason. Um, Abraham Lincoln is a guy I would push off the fucking bridge into the river and yes. like never look back like
4: yeah, I was just gonna say John was, Wilkes Booth is a, a very was, cool dude, a very cool guy, very interesting life story mm-hmm. and death uh a very colorful character, and uh yeah, so not only would i would I favor uh Robert E. lee over as a man over Abraham Lincoln, but I would favor John Wilkes Booth as a man <laughs> over Abraham Lincoln,
3: <laughs> yes. And that's and that's saying a lot because John Wilkes Booth had uh, Jewish Jewish heritage. Um, so it's uh, and it's kind of funny too when you think about it um, why he would do that, uh, John Wilkes Booth. But I, I would even, I mean, over Abraham Lincoln, and Abraham Lincoln also had like pretty severe mental health issues, too, um, where he was like, you know, he would lock himself away for long periods of time. And it's like, you know, you add all this stuff up, it's like probably a faggot, locks himself away, intellectually a fraud. And and I say intellectually a fraud, and, you know, people are oh, jazz hands, you're just speculating. No, I'm talking about firsthand account of his law partner. You have to read the history. It's a very long history. Um, It's very clear, and it's, What's what's interesting about it too is is and this is kind of the the synopsis of the deep dive that we're going to do as well at some point, which is that all of the history that has been built up in Lincoln, about being uh, you know this this uh, almost like a founding father of America, with this vision for anti-racism and vision for republicanism and kind of like the model of like how America should be, is that he was such a piece of shit. And he was so far ahead of his time that contemporaries, especially Jews, have used him as the the model for how modern people should be. That's how big of a piece of shit he was for his time. So um, th- this is the, – the, all the history around him, including that movie where Daniel Day-Lewis played Lincoln, just awful. Um, all of the books that have been written about Lincoln with a few exceptions of, of biographies that are, are kind of old and – when you read when you read kind of your mainstream bio of, of Lincoln and you watch the movies and you suck up all the propaganda about him and then you actually read a real historical book about him, it's like completely different. All of the stuff that I've just said about like fraud, homosexual, like all the mental illness, like all these problems with the guy, like that's what you get if you actually do historical research on him. But again, because he had these kind of like proto neoliberal positions, especially on, um, on emancipation of blacks, because as we've said many times, emancipation of blacks was the precursor for emancipation of Jews and the foundation of the state of Israel. Um, all of that stuff is all connected. It's all part of Zionism and the movement that was going on at the time and the revolutionary stuff. So Lincoln, because effectively he kicked that off in a way there was a lot of stuff that preceded it but he he was a big facilitator of that um and it's like well then why did john wilkes booth kill him why were jews involved in the confederacy well because jews were still very invested in the institution of slavery which was their institution so there was a lot of disagreement In the deep dive i even remember the quotes there were rabbis during Lincoln's time who were advocating for slavery in their synagogues, and there were rabbis that were advocating for abolition. Like it was an issue that like Jews were actually split on Um, economically, like they wanted to keep it in place. Um, But then there was also kind of Zionists and people that were like, no, no, in order to liberate ourselves, we have to sort of lead the charge with liberating blacks. And then it's all gonna fall into place because the black golem and so forth, whatever. This is – I think if we had done this deep dive three or four years ago, I wouldn't have had all, had all the, the Jewish aspect of it kind of dialed in the way that I want to. So it's good that it's good that it's going to take a while. But you can see that I'm like even getting amped up on this and I haven't even you done are, the prep. You are. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but. Well,
4: you are. Know, it's funny also just how like all the presidents that are – or most I would say of the presidents that are considered America's greatest presidents – like FDR and Abraham Lincoln or, or Lyndon Johnson are, like, some of the worst people. Or Truman. It's yeah, like the yeah. Most yeah. Jewish. They're, like, some, Roosevelt,
3: some the, Teddy Roosevelt, the most yeah. Jewish, the most, yeah.
4: Or then like, they're just horrible people. I mean, they're just horrible, horrible people uh, that are just of the kind that a certain type of mm-hmm. corrupt democratic system produces. I mean, like, FDR yeah. was just a product of the... New York corrupt political democratic political machine and he his basically yeah. his claim to fame the thing that made him rise was a combination of wealth and privilege combined with like a sort of low cunning for party politics uh, which is the same quality that uh that a Hillary Clinton uh exhibits uh, only you yeah. know art was more successful at it and that's that's mm-hmm. uh, so it's like you know you look at these people like Churchill as like the other side of the Hitler and Mussolini and they're portrayed as like, well, these are the Titans on the other side. So it's this is clash of the Titans where you have like a Hitler and a Mussolini on the one side and a Stalin FDR and Churchill on the other. But really the, the guys on the other side are just, they, 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 Came out first in the contest of biggest scumbag of of the time in their respective countries, including Stalin. You know
3: who was well, they had the entire them. Jewish world economy that had existed at that time on their side. I mean, yeah. if it was really a battle of of just like who is whose whose position is the moral one, Jews would lose. that was the how the battle was decided but no it's just power you know money and money power and you know everything else but uh just a couple more of these quotes because they're really good um the trite saying that honesty is the best policy has met with the just criticism that honesty is not actually policy the real honest man is honest from conviction of what is right not from policy and me i say anti-semitism is the most absolute truth so I don't know what extent Robert E. Lee knew about Jews. He probably was aware of them. Um, but uh he I, if he's in support of just honesty is what doing what is right, um I can't think of a more absolute truth. Uh and and if you're somebody who can't tell that truth, then you're you're probably gonna lie to me about just about everything else, right? So I mean, it's true. Yeah. It's like what what is the most what is the most obvious I was watching a bunch of Omegle stuff last night with with uh <laughs> uh handsome truth and uh, you know he obvi- he always like modifies his questions for it's always like a it's an evolution he's always trying like different tactics with people and it, one of the, his opening questions now that he does at least in the series last night was like do you think the government's lying to you and everybody without hesitation says yes um and do you think the government's lying to you about everything and it's like Yes. And then he says, do you want me to just in five minutes, give me five minutes just to tell you the truth about something that the government or your teachers or your friends are never going to tell you? And and everybody is just like so like they're so starved, like this mentality of Lee of like, fuck honesty as a policy. Be honest, because that's your conviction as a man. Essentially, is what he's saying. That mentality is so far gone in this country. But yet. People sort of in a natural state desire the truth. That's what people are kind of starved for the most. And you just watch people's eyes light up when it's like, yes, you you have something, you know, and and people use this as a way of like, let me tell you about nanobots and trannies in Hollywood. (laughs) like no no not that truth tell me about like something real um and uh you know obviously ht then holds up something up up to the screen it's usually like the jew the jews behind slavery or the jews behind the 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 um federal reserve system or something and uh i think i sent you a message last night he he asked that question to somebody and he's like who do you think controls hollywood and this guy's or this girl's boyfriend who was off camera but was in the background without hesitation goes kikes (laughs) kikes <laughs> and he's like he he said it so loudly he even surprised ht And actually like that's my man right there <laughs> and the boyfriend the boyfriend even interrupted he's like let me tell you how this is going to go all the people are going to be kikes
2: <laughs>
3: it was fucking hilarious but anyway i'm trying to like connect this to the, uh, Lee is sort of like giving you these quotes about like this is how people should conduct their affairs because this is how this is ultimately the disconnect people have with the government, with with how they've they've you know been led uh, over generations now. Um, and that's all we're asking for, right? Like they they want to label us extremists, they want to label us terrorists, they want to label us as you know all these different names, these boogeymen, these like horrible people, but whether you're talking about us, national socialists, you're talking about just like people randomly that pop up on HT's Omegle feed, like the most random people in the world that aren't going to be expecting to talk to some Nazi on there. Um, like these people all are thirsting for the truth. Like the, everybody wants to know, like they, they feel like something's wrong. They feel like there's, they're being lied to. They feel like, Um, nobody's telling them the truth. And then if you even start asking questions, like you're, you're vilified. I mean, it's really a fucked up place to be, um, to live in the world, to live in a world like that. And it's been such a slow evolution to where we are now that I think if, if you had Robert E. Lee sitting here today, um, he'd be like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Like how, how, how did it get to be like this? Um, because nobody's telling the truth about fucking anything. Um, politics was already getting corrupt in his time, but like it was a hell of a lot closer to reality than, than what this is. I mean, if you just read the transcripts of the Lincoln Douglas debates, and uh, I say this all the time, but like that was in front of an audience of like farmers and people with really little educational background. But I say little educational background, they're probably more intelligent and knew a hell of a lot more about the world around them than people coming out of college, a hundred thousand dollars in debt with a four year degree. So. I mean, just saying it. Uh, He also says, if you have to find fault with anyone, tell him, not others, of what you complain. There is no more dangerous experiment than that of undertaking to be one thing before a man's face and another behind his back. And I said, if there's one concept that's as obvious as it is elusive, it's the fundamental aspect of being a man means not behaving like a woman. Um, which is great. I also didn't yeah. know that he was a not a drinker either. Did you know this about the I like whiskey? I always did. That's why I never drink it. <laughs> so so he's, a, he's a teetotaler, not I a bad know, You
4: know what? I did know that uh, my dad told me that a long time ago, but I had forgotten because he, he, he had a lot of friends he grew up with. His, his, uh, his friends, their dad was a big collector of Civil War, like original Civil War stuff. Uh, -hmm. and, uh, so he, he grew up with a lot of civil war influence in history as a child. So most of my knowledge of that, I got secondhand from him, uh, you know, and that was one of the things, yeah, I remember Robert E. Robert E. Lee was another one of these historic great men who achieved great things and was a teetotaler. So. You know, along with uh, Rudolf Hess and Adolf Hitler and Tony Hovater, uh, that's a that's quite a.
3: Uh, <laughs> that's right. I myself I am of, not a teetotaler. <laughs> I, I sort of made a joke because the quote is "I like whiskey." I know that I like it, so that's why I stay away from it. And my my version of the quote is just "I like whiskey," but um, yes, uh, that's more of, that's more of a punchline. But uh, and I do have. A cabinet full of like really nice bourbon and whiskey, but I actually don't drink uh, the way that that I used to when I was in my 20s and 30s. Honestly, um, it's only really when I see you guys. Um, some occasionally I'll have a beer with a meal, but I don't even finish it. And like, you know, it's I, I, sitting here right now. I honestly, I think it was New Year's Eve. I had a cocktail with some friends. Uh, out. In oh, I thought you were going to say Northern sitting,
4: sitting here right now. You could go for a whiskey because that quote is kind of making me. Wonder. No, 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 no. no I'm <laughs> yeah, kidding. it does. It does, <laughs> it, does. It, it
3: does. But it's like I'm so busy. Um, it, whether it's you know dissident politics or just like having a family, um, I'm too busy. Like you can't. Like I get it. Like you you sort of. Uh, being hung over and trying to recover from that stuff like it's just not worth it and uh you're just so much more productive without it so it's not about like lifestyle advice or whatever um because i don't think there's anything wrong with alcohol but uh if you find yourself like that's the excuse you have for like not doing stuff and it's getting in the way um this is kind of like an all hands on deck thing so um you know, do teach his own. People can do whatever they want, but um, you'll notice just, that a lot it's of interesting.
4: It's interesting yes. that Robert E. Lee was a teetotaler. You know, um, yeah, and, and yeah. You know, like you say, without giving lifestyle advice, certainly. Yeah. You know, uh, you know the top national socialists or the top two guys there were were teetotalers. We know many others were not. Uh, in fact, the whole movement was and and has been uh, more on the. Dr- drinking more than drinking less kind of thing. That's just a thing about Nazis and a thing about fascists for since the beginning. But, uh, well, yeah, uh, I, I,
3: I do think that there, people would benefit from, from that a little bit less. Definitely. Um, so I will, I will offer, I will offer that because it's not, it's not just people going to do what they're going to do because there's, you know, I think in this era too, because I think going back to 1930s Germany, um, and if you go to Germany today, uh, having a beer, uh, at lunch, like during the week and when you're going back to the office, uh, like even if you're like working in a facility that has a cafeteria, as many of these factories do in Germany, have a, have a, uh, cafeteria where you can go get like a home-cooked meal. It's not like a shitty, it's not shitty food. It's actually really good food. Um, they serve beer in the cafeteria. They serve beer in the workplace because it's not, it's not like people have a, like, I feel like if they did that here, people would <laughs> people would go to lunch on a Wednesday and they would never come back or they would come back at three o'clock like you know, stumbling all over the place. Uh, Germans will slam a half a liter of beer and then go back to work and then that's it for the rest of the day. They're not going home and then drinking. So it was a uh, lively beer hall kind of stuff did not become like a whole weekend lifestyle where you're like spending all day Sunday under a blankie like recovering. So um, those guys were probably out actually doing shit on on sunday so anyway um it's it's uh it's yeah when you bump into these characters in history that just discovered that they didn't do it and you wonder if robert e lee just decided hey i like whiskey and fuck everybody else would he have been robert e lee probably not um pressing forward larry fink uh i loved this and i've shared this on telegram uh Larry Fink Warren is is very upset, very concerned that the attacks against him and BlackRock have become a bit too personal. <laughs> Do you feel bad for Larry Fink? <laughs> yeah, well,
4: you know, I was thinking of Larry Fink actually when we were talking about the uh, World Economic Forum and Charles Schwab, you know, and it's like it's it's yeah. like you know, I'm glad Larry Fink is getting more personal attention it's very important to put a you know you don't want to you don't want it to become a thing where it's like george soros george soros and people forget that george soros is a Jew financier and that's main, That's his main characteristic, you know, and there's a lot of other right. ones just like him.
3: Uh, yeah, why don't we talk about George Soros? Shur- George Soros is like almost dead. Like, why don't we talk about right. George Soros' son who is inheriting all this, who his friends are, what the network is, what companies do they control, what NGOs do they have influence over? Um, but it's just, it's but, good but
4: yeah. when, yeah, it, my point is, though, it's good when uh, people are able to put a face and a person to this idea of Jewish power because you can do it and you don't don't want that to turn into a thing where you just personalize it and you don't make it about a systemic problem with Jews and Jewish culture and Jewish finance and Jewish nepotistic family networks. But I think this is a very positive development that Larry Fink, more people know who he is. I didn't know. I didn't know who that guy was before I started, before I became a co-host on FTN. And now Mm -hmm. it seems like it's seeped out you know, I have to say, Jazz. Some of this is probably your doing. I mean, it's it's really you've you've helped to you've been raising the alarm with this guy and and his uh, BlackRock for before it was cool.
3: And yeah, uh, I, like people yeah. thought when I first started talking about it you know, people's eyes glaze over, because I'm talking about um, all the people involved in in the kind of uh, the automation of trading and uh, Larry Fink and his supercomputer, Aladdin. I was talking to uh, Martin Heidegger uh, this week and, and, you know, we were talking about BlackRock a little bit. And I was like, it's such a complex issue because, you know, people think they know about Fink and BlackRock, but it's like, the, if you ask them, do you know what Aladdin is? Most people don't even know, but they're like that's the foundational Thing that has made Larry think who he who he was like a giant supercomputer, giant data center, multiple data centers that do automatic trading based on algorithms that Jews feed into the system to improve and make their companies more profitable while fucking over people that they think are less profitable. And then you layer in the ESG stuff on top of that, and you have essentially automated world financial domination. And that's what BlackRock is. That's how they've gotten to where they are. They've like made it into a computer program and and optimized it with supercomputing, um, and that's what this is. Now it's not infallible because look, once you once you say, oh, it's Larry Fink and BlackRock, it's it's uh, it's the State Street and Vanguard. It's all these people involved with this that ultimately control these things. I won't say that we were the first, but our video that went viral in January of 2020 that got our last big YouTube channel like shut down instantaneously had several hundred thousand views in a week, and then they just shut the channel down. Um, there was nobody else talking about this shit, except in like very obscure corners of the internet. And I remember doing the research for that deep dive. You had to go pretty deep to figure out like all the connections with this stuff. The reason why I call attention to this article now, it's it's obviously funny that, that Larry Fink is complaining about these virulent attacks against him. It's like the Jew cries out as he bankrupts and demoralizes your economy. Um, but... Now, if you go out onto YouTube and type in BlackRock, there is normie deep dive into BlackRock and Larry Fink after normie deep dive into BlackRock and Larry Fink more than you can possibly imagine. And none of them are as like on the nose as we are. But they're I'm actually <laughs> surprised. I, I expect when people would share these with me, I thought that they would only be talking about BlackRock and then try to do some obfuscation or whatever, but they're actually talking about larry fink and putting his face up there now they're not saying jewish um but this has gone so far that they i think at this point like they can't they youtube could not go out and just like show uh, all of those videos because there's just so many of them and a lot of them are leftists talking about this like the financial control and they've talked about it so much that it's actually led to like elizabeth Warren and Biden having to like at least play along with – remember the billionaire's tax that they sort of like finked everybody with? Like it's not going to happen. But they had to do something with it. It forced Larry Fink to come out and BlackRock to do a, a big campaign defending themselves against all of the bad press over buying up all those homes and turning them into rental properties. Um, They've just – I mean they've been involved in everything. Like it's, it's really – Everybody knows who BlackRock is. Everybody knows who Larry Fink is now. Um, And it's important because then people will take things like the WEF a little bit less seriously. And my my policy with the WEF is – it, it is like an outer 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 band like repeater right. of the system's issues well said. yeah but it's not it's not something that like you're picking like the wfe is like you're picking up a radio station essentially of shit that's already happened shit they already want to have in place people share what comes out of that session as though it's like oh god guys guess what's coming it's like but why are you fix – why Why is your fix on that? Like why aren't you looking at all of the things that Jews are running, these Jewish NGOs, these institutions that have been talking about what they're planning to do to us for a lot longer? If you're – it's like the people that are all like hyped up on the WF, he's like, you want, you, want, you want to know where people are going and what Jews are planning to do? Go read the protocols of the Learned Antilles of Zion. Like go read that because that will tell you everything you need to know about what they're going to do. And they said it 100 years ago what they're going to do and everything that they've said in there has like come true. So we don't need to go like, go read the Talmud. Like if you want to know what Jews are planning next, because the WF is just the, the like storefront fortune 500 uh, talking points for corporate executives to take back into their companies with their HR departments and push out to all of their fucking Janissaries. Like that's, that's all this is. So people can get excited about it, but, don't look at it as it's like you you've discovered the hive of power or it's no it's not you don't have to like look deeply into klaus schwab's background these are like fucking retarded shabbos goy that they trust now there are people involved in the wf that are jewish but there are people that are just there that are making sure that that doesn't become too goyish of an institution just like there are jews involved in the council on foreign relations it's it's really just like a it's like people get really worked up over the uh, the what is it the uh, oh why can't I think of this Borzoi and I talk about it all the time. That's what George Washington was the Masons the Masons oh, the people Masons, get all yeah. like worked up about all of that was was an institution where Jews and Goys would be together in in a kind of like a, a secret society because otherwise. the secret society for Gentiles was like church and religion and Jews were not welcome. They wanted an, a religious institution. The WEF is just kind of a, a modern incarnation of that, but it's not kind of the center of power and control. It's like, sort of like the, it's like the way that it's way that they get the talking points out to the, to the people who just started paying attention, uh, at the lowest level. Like if you're looking at getting red pilled, it's not going to be at the WEF. It's not going to be at Davos. So, um, now, All of that said, if the if if the fucked up stuff that comes out of Davos, like that European uh, woman that was like saying that hate speech is they're going to ban it in the United States. Like if that's the first thing you hear is a 17 or 18 year old on the Internet and that like scares you and makes you look into more stuff. Good for you. Just go past the WEF and don't get wrapped around the axle on that stuff. There's a tendency, I think, for conservatives to want to get wrapped around the axle on it um and then that's the only focus and Klaus Schwab is a goy he's the problem you know white liberalism is the problem it's like no nah, no that's not that's not the issue so i don't want to do the thing where we say you know wf is is like a harmless thing because it's 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 definitely like a part of their system. Like it's a part novelty of what they take,
4: do. WEF yeah. is the most national socialist organization in the world. They mm-hmm. are on the forefront. Of, see, I'm I'm going to go all the way with the novelty uh, <laughs> take here. Uh, no, uh, I'm not really. But Charles Schwab is a secret Nazi. We could go with <laughs> like mm-hmm. like uh, Cardinal Ratzlinger You know, he's secretly. No, we're not. We're not going to go that far. We're not going to overcorrect. But uh, yeah, it's like the bill. Well, I, I mean, was talking with Mark. Uh, Card- Know, but-
3: Cardinal Rexer was was actually a Nazi youth like I mean he actually was was he a secret Nazi in his old age? no, but yeah. the reason they got rid of him was because he refused to apologize in the way that Jews wanted for the Holocaust um, I do believe that, but that's not because he's a Nazi. It's because Jews were trying trying to go way too fucking fast <laughs> with their with their narrative and people weren't people weren't ready for that like the, you know yeah. uh Ratzinger grew up in a time for what 30 years where there was no holocaust and now it's like you take personal responsibility for this and all of the descendants of the german people now pope and he's like uh, i'm sorry that this happened and that's pretty much it so what, what, but no some like groups I, don't some about, names. I don't know about et- i don't know I don't know anything about Klaus Schwab's background other than that he's not Jewish, um, and he's some German guy, but he's the biggest Shabbos goy that you could possibly imagine. There's a picture of him uh, praying with Jews after 9-11, um, but he's not a Jew as far as I know. But he he might as well be one. Like he's right. doing the he's work of – spiritually – yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah.
4: Yes, yes. What I was going to say to That's like not
3: the point because I don't want people to be like – He's the guy in the, you know, they have these pictures of him like he's like Emperor Palpatine. Like, right. nigga, get the fuck out of here. Like, come on.
4: Right. Well, I, I uh, again, these are things I, I talked about with Mark Collette earlier in the week. We were talking about mm. I, you know Prince Andrew is my favorite one to use as the example of when, you know, the the Goy face is put on a, a holy Jewish development, you know. Uh, and in that case, it was the Epstein scandal, you know. But... um or, or bill gates is another one but i was also going to mention to you some names that i mentioned to mark that you've probably heard of, the bill the bill Bilderbergers, and the right. skull and bone society you know these are two <laughs> other examples that i remember when right-wing you know non-anti-semitic I- explicitly anti-semitic jew woke uh conservatives would would or right-wingers would would pass these names around and, you know, oh, that's, that, that's it. Those are the final boss, you know? And that's how Mark put it on his show. He's like, he asked me, Warren is, so is the WEF the the final boss? (laughs) And that's a good way of looking at it. No, they're not, they're not the final boss,
3: you know? (laughs) Yeah. They're not even like, I mean, if the WEF could like collapse tomorrow completely and nothing would change, like literally nothing would change because it's not, uh, an apparatus of of power. Yeah. it is a it is just a TV. It's a it's an annual TV show that they. And have. I kind of push back on
4: the idea without getting on. I know we got a lot of other things to cover, but I just want to mention this to you, Jess, because I thought you would think it interesting. Mm-hmm. Sometimes even the dynamic of nationalism versus globalism is missing the mark. Like that broadly gets at what the problem is, but mm-hmm. you see, Zog, uh, the American Jewish empire retrenching itself uh bringing industry back with biden for not like we want to rebuild the white working class uh you know or the white middle class for very other very different reasons um but you know when you're a global hegemon as the british empire once was it's in your interest to promote free trade to all the people who you're going to be dealing with from a position of economic uh, superiority, so it's not an even playing field. So you promote free trade with countries that you can exploit when you bring them into your free trade zone, and then when it's no longer in your interests, then you want to suddenly close that down and and be for more you know higher tariffs or bring industry home or whatever. But mm-hmm. it, just casting this as a battle between nationalism as an abstract force versus globalism as an abstract force. It's broadly true, but if you just make it about that, you're. It's like it's like making
3: it about illegal immigrants. You know what I mean? Uh, you well, know, are Right, and you, can, you can make it about like yeah. nationalism versus globalism. Could just be like patriotard jingoism wrapped up in like Americana versus. UNWES and like yeah yeah that like could be a literally, retar- Zionist- like literally a retarded fight
4: yeah yeah that could be well you know Marine Le Pen is one that I've heard her cast it as nationalism versus globalism and if if you've only ever heard it cast as this is conservatism versus liberalism and then someone says no it's actually nationalism versus globalism you think oh wow based that person is completely in our in our line of thinking but yeah perfect example you just said it Israel. Uh, Zionist war crimes in the Middle East and then Israel being condemned by the overwhelming majority of countries in the UN General Assembly you could 90. frame that as yeah you could frame that as nationalism versus globalism and in that case the global so-called institution you know you can have good globalism and bad globalism you can have you can no, have a
3: I, know, I I know I know what you mean but I, I think that the people and this is going back to kind of the evolution of our politics. Because prior to 2016, there was nobody willing to say I'm a nationalist. Yes. Yes. And if you yes. said I'm a nationalist, you were totally shattering the mold that the that the system had tried to keep in place. It's the, it's yes. the mold that the system is trying desperately, crawling all over the ground to put all the the pieces back together. The Finkel think Humpty Dumpty put them all back together again um, because they want to go back to a time where it's where it's John McCain versus Barack Obama or Jack Kemp versus, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, John Edwards or something. Who knows? Just like just two. <laughs> getting like, really, sleepy, I mean, just like you mentioned those names. Yeah, like because, nodded. I nodded off for a second. <laughs> right. Because if they're if like if conservatives are in favor of reparations and so are liberals, then anti reparations is suddenly a radical position. Yes. right? So if both the Republican Party and Democratic Party are both internationalist neoliberals, then but they are they support Israel's right to be nationalist. Like that's the caveat. Nationalism for Israel, but nobody, but nobody else really is what it was. Then in the beginning, saying I'm a nationalist had certain specific connotations. Now you right. could analyze it and say, but that could mean this, that could be in that. But what it meant in that context was I stand up for American nationalism, which was at that time supposed to be a euphemism for white political power. Now then it became diluted and washed out, and it's become what it is now, so we have to be kind of specific. But I think one way – one direction I would go with what you're saying is that um, we can't just all be kind of like nationalism in the sense of – well, I'm for UK nationalism and you're for American nationalism and you're for Irish nationalism and whatever. It's like, no, the nationalism that I'm in favor of is nationalism for Europeans where it is a racial nationalism, whether there is a kind of a virtual nation state around the world that is all white people. And we're not fighting for a particular government. We're not fighting for a particular ideology. It's like we want... Independence. We want our own ability to govern ourselves in political power. And if that's nationalism, meaning I want sovereignty over myself and for other white people, doesn't mean we're all getting together and forming one big government. Maybe. Who knows? That's not what we're going to talk about, systems and all this other stuff. But to me, that's what it means because the internationalism is essentially – multiculturalism for nations and anybody who wants to be white and have a nation is not allowed right it's like the same sort of setup where it's like everybody else gets to have their own sort of nationalistic beliefs and rights and uh considerations but not white people on the the global stage uh so yeah i mean that's that's kind of like where i where i would go
1: no how the hell did we get here well it's just it's just (laughs) to
3: have
4: the (laughs) like to have the entities that that no one wants to name the entities that that we're talking about so it's jews you know jews and and jewish interests and jewish power is the force that we're talking about and as aryan men we are nationalistic about our people and there is no other kind of nationalism that would make sense. I can't be nationalistic on behalf of the Chinese. You know what I mean? Because I'm a white man, I'm an Aryan. So
3: it's like, and yeah, so that, but I support, but I support them in their nationalism. Sure. Um, Yeah. What I don't support is, is the homogenization of everyone where there there are no nationalisms which is what what Jewish internationalism is all about it's it's what bolshevism was set about to destroy it's what uh world war 2 and world war 1 were set about to destroy is if because if you destroy everybody's individual nationalisms then Jews can sort of reign and they, but they retain theirs they yes. retain their unity and their solidarity with each other as they tell everybody else that that's bad. This is why they always in every society that they um, become a parasite of, they they push for this stuff. I mean, it's it's this is how this goes. But anyway, pressing forward, um, free speech um, is on the docket with the Supreme Court. And this is actually ties in with this because part of this is they don't want you to be able to speak out about this. And this goes back a long way um, to uh, a lot of the a lot of the attempts to get people to support, quote unquote, free speech reform uh, in the Donald Trump era. Um, it was tried under Bill Barr, bagpipe and Bill Barr. And then also with Ron DeSantis did this as a as a state initiative in Florida and. Um, There have also been other efforts uh to say we're doing free speech we're going to do free speech now and and make this you know uh a a pro well they did it in texas they've done it in a few different places um and we've talked about it extensively because bill barr was pushing for this too um but bill barr is jewish and so it's it's so transparently fake when he was doing it and we we you know uncovered a lot of stuff that they were saying and doing, and like Bill Barr at these like private security conferences in DC saying what he was really going after with the repeal of Section 230, because this repeal of Section 230 has always been pushed at conservatives as the the holy grail of finally holding big tech accountable, right? Like, if you didn't know anything else about this issue, Warren, isn't that what you've been told? Isn't this what you've been told to think? Like, this yeah. the Section 230 was put into place Um, you know, as as a way for immunity against lawsuits to allow these big tech companies not to be responsible for what they print. It goes back to like newspapers and shit. But now it's time to get rid of it. And then finally, you will be able to sue big tech for taking you off platform and finally democratizing this movement, right? Like that's... That's the essence of the Ron DeSantis uh, free speech shit that he tried and failed at doing. Like all of this stuff is r- wrapped up in it. Like, yes. show me a fake and gay conservative free speech movement that doesn't ultimately have repeal of Section Two Thirty baked into the center of that cake.
4: It's you really can't. insidious, Jess. It's really insidious. It's like it's 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 absolutely a bait and switch on the level of uh, if a conservative were to say. You know, my platform is I'm going to get rid of all, you know, 11 million or 20 million illegal immigrants in the country. And you look, read the policy and the and the solution is you're going to make them full citizens and then they won't be illegal immigrants. Like that's literally the level of bait and switch that this appeal, repeal section 230 is. It's it's. There's popular anger. There's popular feeling. You want something done about this. It's an injustice. Everyone sees it. Everyone's sick of it. Everyone wants something done. And so you're putting out a policy proposal that you, it purports to answer that. And if implemented, will do the exact opposite of what you're you know the people are angry about and the people won um it's it makes me angry when i see uh republicans talk about repeal section 230 we're gonna do something about free speech we're gonna repeal section 230
3: yeah it's 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 really odd and bill barr because they're just so bad at this um which is so obvious about it and bill barr like Because he was attorney general, because he's a Jew, and he thinks sort of Jews get used to a system where they just get whatever they want on demand. Like Bill Barr wasn't really, and he hadn't been in power. That was the other thing. Like Bill Barr was in retirement, and you know had been around, you know, in previous. I think was it? It was it H W. Yeah, it was H W. Bush. Um, he worked for and did a bunch of stuff. And the things that we liked about Bill Barr before he knew he was Jewish is that. I think he was he was he was kind of like an anti-AIDS guy for a while. Um, there's some funny stuff that he did, but he was kind of a creature of his time back then, and so it was kind of funny. He was about putting people into uh, detainment camps, like illegal immigrants into detainment camps back in the 90s, and it was kind of like. Oh, maybe he'll do that with Trump, but of course not. He gets in, they don't do anything, and then he starts going to work as a Jew, um, on on uh trying to dismantle uh, these free speech protections for for white people. Um, the other thing about Bill Barr that I'll mention, because you can't mention Bill Barr without mentioning this, but his father, uh, was the headmaster at the Dalton School in New York City, uh, and was the guy that hired Jeffrey Epstein as a teacher at that. Boys' school in New York City uh, to teach science, and um, Epstein didn't even have a degree; uh, wasn't even qualified to teach there. Um, so there's a there's a definite Epstein connection to Bill Barr and his father, and they don't talk about that very much. Um, but anyway, there's a, there's we've done a lot of deep dives on this, but I figured I'd mention the Epstein connection to Bill Barr while I'm here. Um, so. Repeal of Section 230, what it really means. I summarized this on Telegram. Um, They want you to believe that it's about democratizing control over big tech. Like, you have the right to sue them now. Wave magic wand. You get your account back. Um, But it really doesn't mean you because it really means that the critarchy – because this is now going to go to the Supreme Court. And what that means is that they are done promoting fake and gay free speech legislation as conservatives to try to think you into thinking that you're going to be for this what's interesting about this is if you really dive into this issue you'll see a lot of democrats um i forget his name but he's a jewish senator from oregon uh or washington state you'll probably know his name he's a he's a u.s senator but he's a he's a jew and he's he's also for repeal of section 230 there's There's a lot of Jews that are – yeah, I I think you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, there's there's a lot of Jews who are very much in favor of this repeal, and um, it's like, oh, it makes perfect sense. It's like, wait, if repeal of Section 230 is really the linchpin for for white people to get free speech, why are all these Jews on both sides of the aisle in favor of repealing it? I can't figure out why. And it's because corporations, thanks to Larry Fink – because Larry Fink is the puppet master over all the corporations since BlackRock, Vanguard, and State Street own a share of all those corporations, then what you have is a corporatocracy in combination with a crytarchy, so rule by corporations, rule by crytarchs, which is rule of judges, rule of the judiciary. They can control what lawsuits come forward against these platforms, and the corporations are now strong enough to sue these platforms for any problem that there might have, there might be, because the problem has always been big tech is controlled by single entities, like the guy who owned Twitter before um uh, Elon Musk, I can't remember his name jack. Um, and he essentially was pushed off of his own board by a corporate buyout of stock. And so they, they and, and they've like you know otherwise it's like Jews that own all these big tech companies, but even when they've had Mark Zuckerberg, it's it's sort of the same lesson that Jews had to learn with kings. They didn't like kings because ultimately a king could decide whatever they want, even if it's Mark Zuckerberg. They, maybe they have to convince him to do things the way that they want to do it. Same with Jack. Um, And now look at the fighting that they've had with Elon Musk. It's like, well, what does that tell you where it's silence everywhere else? Whether it's Reddit, uh, any other social media that, that bans people sort of like on site for saying anything. Um, what does that tell you? If there's no big public struggle session, then that tells you that Jews have shit on lockdown. And what they really want in in this, with this sort of democratization of being able to sue big tech is for these big companies to be able to come in and say, we're gonna uphold ADL guidelines and sue you into oblivion if you don't do exactly what we want in terms of who is on the platform and what they can say. Because right now, it's the, the the decision on what people can say ultimately rests with the singular ownership of that company, um, and they don't like that. It's the same problem that they faced with Kings. Um, and so they want the crytarks to be the final arbiters of what are valid and invalid lawsuits that come forward. And they want corporations essentially to do the same thing they did to Donald Trump. Remember, they would come out one CEO after the other and condemn him for saying very fine people on both sides in Charlottesville. It's the use of this, it's the reason, I say this all the time, it's the reason that the US Capitol building is the tallest building in Washington, DC. They wouldn't allow any of the private companies to be taller than that, although that is slowly changing. um, Because they always feared, even 100 years ago, corporations eventually being able, money power, capitalism, Jews overtaking government and it's absolutely happened and it's not a measurement of building height now at this point it is literally just how many Jews are in government well what is it most of Biden's cabinet all the children and grandchildren of of these presidents grandchildren of these presidents are going to be Jewish so it's like it's it's obvious what they're doing and so it's going to come through the supreme court I don't know how it's going to land, but ultimately they've been wanting to repeal section 230 for a very long time um, because it allows them instantly to get what they want um, in terms of limiting free speech. Because they know that they can't just go and say hate speech is banned in America because they can't convince people that that actually means – like. Only Holocaust denial. Like, it, it means everything. Even like normal people are just like, no, hate speech is just going to be a euphemism for things the government doesn't like. So I'm not in favor of that. So they're going to ban free speech this way by allowing the only place that you really have free speech, other than a, an actual street corner, um, to be kind of at the control, beck and call of the, the corporations. So. Right. Yeah. And I mean, Section 230
4: is. Uh, it's there to provide protection for platforms, you know. So it's the it's the public square, and the public square is not going to be held liable for what people in the public square say. Those people are liable for what they say and do in the public square, but the host, the person who hosts the public square itself, is not going to be liable. The problem with Section Two Thirty. Uh, or the problem with the way this law works is just, it's not, it's that these are, these companies are acting as publishers by selecting what they are going to platform and what they are not. But if you repeal Section 230 and you take away mm-hmm. that liability, now you're just turning it over to the plutocracy, and you're basically making it like uh, like anything—the way the legal system in this country works, where you know he who has the most money wins—is basically it. I mean, the little guy, yeah. or or you know, a good a good analogy might be uh, like right-to-work laws. You know, um, yes. with right-to-work laws, it's 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 oh, we're we're gonna we're gonna level the playing field here. So you, the individual worker. Your economic power, uh, and who comes to the table across from you, is the corporation that you work for, and their economic power. And you will sit down as equals at this table and negotiate a, uh, a you know, a contract or a, a an employment situation that is is fair for both parts. And if you don't like yours, you're free to walk. You know, not just right to work laws, but uh, uh, even more. I was thinking of. Um, uh, what do you call it? At will employment. That's what I was looking. That's the yes. term I'm looking for. At will employment. At will employment is basically saying the company can't compel you to stay. You can leave for any time at any reason. You're a free person. You can just you can just get up and walk, and the company can fire you for any reason they want. For any reason they want, they can get rid of you well when when there's vastly disproportionate levels of economic power bargaining power that you bring to the table like ridiculously by a factor of thousands uh, the, the the difference you 're trying to feed your family with your fucking little uh, you know pathetic wage slave wage and they're, they're you know it's a, some company that blackrock is is has its hooks in it 's like a billion you know dollar um, international company. You have no economic power against that unless you're in a union, unless you have some kind of pool. So, yeah, this idea clearly is to do the same thing with free speech. It's like... You know, uh, Andrew Torba or whoever. Now, now, whatever you you have in terms of the money you can bring to the table to defend these lawsuits versus the people who have the money to bring the lawsuits against you. It's not gonna. Mm-hmm. It's gonna kill free speech. I mean, this is like a, a bullet to the head of online free speech. If if Section 230 is repealed, and it's just it, it, the only solution here is that, uh, com- no company has immunity from lawsuits. I mean, Roberta Kaplan is gonna come the the day that this is passed some Roberta Kaplan type Jew with like m- hundreds of millions of dollars in lawsuits is immediately going to sue Gab or any of these other platforms yes. and, and yep. just, and, and, then and, and then they're going to be tied down. And if they can't defend the lawsuit or if they're bankrupted by the lawsuit, then, um, uh, that's it. They have to shut down.
3: Yeah. And th- I mean, that's ultimately the, the goal. Um, but, and you know, that might make people like extremely blackpilled, but the thing that you have to realize, and it's the thing we talked about um, extensively on this show, too, is that they've already gone so far that they have just driven everybody insane with suspecting that, I mean, look at the anti-Semitism, look at the ADL report. Um, so they have to be very, very careful. And that's not a threat. I mean, that's that's a risk from their perspective. I mean, it's a risk that they're probably already very aware, well aware of that, um, they don 't just have the ability to do whatever they want. they do actually operate finkel think aside they do actually operate in a in a world where like people are very tuned into their schemes um, and it's and it 's people who would otherwise like you know thirty forty years ago, buy into a holocaust narrative, buy into like Jews are just god 's chosen people, leave those people alone they 're just victims. I mean, they've, there's so much political capital that Jews have burned, so much goodwill that they have burned uh, in that regard that nobody believes them anymore. And people just are, you know, uh, you ask people, like, do you like the banks? No. Do you like, do you trust the government? No. It's like, I mean, it's, 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 and then if the government just comes in and you see all these big, and people already don't like the corporations. And let me underscore this, too. It's like the corporations and capitalism in general have become so corrosive that not even people who the corporations appeal to like those corporations. Like you can go out and look, um, when I was doing a bunch of uh, Googling for uh, some imagery for that ESG article, I was trying to find uh, some images of all the corporate logos that have adopted like the fag flag as part of their branding. Um, And in that Google process, You encounter articles uh, by – on homosexual websites and Reddit and all these forums by gays talking about how patronized and how fake these corporations are. It's like the gay washing and the green washing that happened before it where they they wash their corporate logos in in like a green leaf or something. But – all it means is like tax breaks and other shit like those companies have never stopped polluting they don't care about the environment they're doing it because you know in every business school in America they they teach their students that this is a competitive advantage to go out and adopt this fake political garbage because it makes you like oh you're you're like a you believe in all the stakeholders in your society or something but they don't believe you like nobody believes this shit like nobody believe. like when unilever comes out with some ad like that's pro-gay they don't you know it's like sickening to us like we hate it but the thing that i always tell people to get black belt by like the ever-increasing like march of these kind of disgusting commercials is like the people for whom that commercial has been designed hate it just as much as you do but for totally different reasons and if you think about it in that way what does that say about the system and what they're trying to accomplish? Like th- their their efforts to try to like propagandize people have become so saccharine and fake that not even the people who it's for like give a shit about it. And it's or it's not even that they don't give a shit about. It. They like they hate it because they know that those companies don't actually I mean even if they're hiring all those people and putting them into prominent positions throughout the company and they're like not hiring white people. And it's definitely a war on whites. I'm not saying that that's fake, but those people don't feel like they're at, like the companies that put that branding on themselves is actually for them in um, and it. And it really isn't like, they're just using those people as like, basically like human they're, they're like throwing human mass at fascism, like getting all these people rallied up and pretending like they're on their side so that they fight you. I mean, and so they show up in the streets and try to stop you. Like that's what this is all about. Um, and and what I would say is, if they really succeed at uh, appealing or repealing Section 230, and then they just start blowing apart all of these uh, websites, um, there's part of me, Warren, because of all the stuff we've done with social media, that I'm kind of like, let's do it. Get these fucking <laughs> the people. The, now. Let's get this party like, started. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But that's yeah. also a consideration that they have, right? Because yes. there is a certain element of this about like having a silo to park dissidents, to, to do a panopticon on them, to gay op them with the FBI, like to do all the shit that they do. Because if you don't actually create a space for those people, then then you like where do they go what do they do they go off you know they they go offline right and then then you don't have it's like it was like the the gift and the curse so to speak when they ban everybody from twitter it's like well you just destroyed your panopticon network to track all the different connections that these groups have um and now what are you going to do and so it's like but if they allow those people back on the platform then it's like everybody else becomes anti-semitic very quickly
4: <laughs> so. yeah yeah well uh, you know i wanted to just mention quickly about this jazz it's interesting you know when you start searching around because i i just did some fast googling and you know donald trump is the one really responsible for getting this simple-minded repeal to section 230 or end section 230 thing because yeah, bill uh, barr told him to do it yeah And he really – because Trump in his, you know, thinking slogans, speaking slogans sort of way, uh, you know, he gets all his followers to mindlessly back something, build the wall, you know, lock her up, end 230. And it's very insidious because it's all these Trumpists in the Congress and the people that are most bought into that, the, you know, uh, esoteric Trumpism that just mindlessly repeat this without thinking about it. But, I mean, I found, like, for instance – you know, tweets by Trump. in Section 230. Trump tweeted constantly about this. And then here's Lindsey Graham. Congress should vote to repeal Section 230 as requested by President at real Donald Trump. This is from 2020. I will not vote to override presidential veto unless effort is made to wind down Section 230. So Lindsey Graham's all in on it. Now, Josh Hawley, who is a little more <laughs> nuanced, uh, Josh Hawley introduced, and I remember, I had to look this up because I remember when he did it. This was in 2019, mm-hmm. legislation to amend Section 230 immunity, and he yes. was saying the same thing, that this is bad, that they it gives them complete exemption from publisher liability, which, again, that's not the problem, really. Um, but the problem is that they are not acting as uh, platforms, but it says that his legislation apparently was something to uh, basically – this legislation simply states that if the tech giants want to keep – their government granted immunity, they must bring transparency and accountability to their editorial processes and prove that they don't discriminate, meaning they have to show what the algorithms are. They have to show what they're, you know, so it's not this arbitrary thing. You can't have the NJP on a list with Twitter that just, you know, so that's reasonable uh, now that's not to say that Hawley is is a good guy and and is the best, senior, but it's like that's an actual reasonable amendment to this to say we're going to keep the immunity, but you, in order to qualify for it, you have to meet certain uh, you know qualifications. Basically, you have to you have to show that you're not discriminating against right wingers. You have to be transparent in your process. But <laughs> Lindsey Graham and Donald Trump and all the rest of them are just going on this thing, oh yeah, N-230, N-230, and this kind of nuanced take, maybe Hawley put this out to just, you know, he knows that that the mob hysteria is going to go in the direction of N-230. And he wants to put his little thing out there to preserve his little bit of credibility when he runs for president. Who knows? But this is not what Trump and Lindsey Graham and these others, or or I assume Ron DeSantis, are talking about. Is, is amending it uh, in this way? They're talking about just getting rid of it, which just makes it a basically um, rule by the strong in
3: the courts. Yeah, because it's impatient Jews that are bankrolling those politicians. Yes. That yeah. want it. Well, I want it now. Shut it. Yeah. Down yeah, yeah. 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 Holly's.
4: It removed automatic immunity. That's the thing, and then it, and then it they have the ability to earn immunity through external audits. So they would have to prove to the FTC by clear and convincing evidence their algorithms and content removal practices are politically neutral. Uh, and the FTC could not certify big tech companies for immunity except by a supermajority vote. And they would be responsible for the cost of conducting the audits, and they would have to reapply for immunity every two years. And it preserves existing community for small and medium-sized companies. So the bill applies only to companies.
3: What do you think the application process for getting immunity is going to look like? Did you – who approves it? It's going to be Jonathan Greenblatt in the ADL. Like, did you comply? It's just like a – it's like the same thing. It's like we're gonna control speech using the ADL, but is the window dressing something that we can lie to to the go- white goyim about, or is it just like we're just banning extremism? Is the leftist position? It's like the same thing. It's like they get through the same process because he, yeah. he's like Holly's like, how do we accomplish this? in a way where I can still sell this as a big win for right, people. Right? right. Yeah. It's right, the same right. garbage. Yeah.
4: Yeah. And and this was it was it preserved existing immunity for small and medium kind sized companies. So it only yeah, applied right. to companies with more than thirty million active monthly users. Uh, more than
3: three hundred million change, act- they would modify they would modify
4: it Yeah, that, they would like modify our, it. That's yeah, the thing. It's yeah. just like any of this stuff. You you have the one guy that's easy forward- to modify
3: it. It's not right. easy to like change the whole thing like which is what You're getting rid of immunity because you're going to get a backlash from the companies that have immunity, right? They're trying to, like, diminish the opposition from lobbyists uh, that way, too. And then,
4: yeah, when the final deal is struck, uh, oh, well, we had to get rid of that one good thing that made the whole thing worthwhile uh, because that's the way the sausage is made, you know?
3: (laughs) Oh, every time. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's it's – this whole thing is just – Absolutely disgusting. What is um, your
4: prediction, Jazz? I mean, like, based on your experience, do you think that this will actually happen? Do you think they will just repeal 230?
3: Oh, uh, it's it, – you don't really – it's tough to say. I mean, obviously, they've tr- – like, it's always – it's easy to predict how, what a gay op the entire government is when you see that – because, like, if the government was really organic, you would see Republicans or somebody – talking about their new bill to repeal section 230 now but when you see that those legislative gayop efforts have totally ceased like desantis isn't talking about it holly's not talking about it there and they and they see it coming through the courts like you would think that well it's a good opportunity to talk about this again but nobody's talking about it because the strategy has changed from trying to lie to you and get it passed through congress to just ramming it through with the crytarchy. Now, what I can't predict is whether or not, what, what the court is ultimately gonna decide. Because again, thanks to to Madison versus Marbury, they have judicial review. That's why you have this process to begin with. And they can ultimately say what they want to interpret from these cases that are gonna go before them. And their ruling can decide like the degree of applicability of Section 230. They could leave it intact. They could leave part of it intact. So you know what I mean? Like, Crytarchy also has some sort of uh, drafting capabilities on how they leave it. Um, And they could kick it back to Congress. Uh, They could repeal it altogether. Um, It's just that the trying to do it through the legislature doesn't work anymore. And there's no immediate consequences if Supreme Court does something. Right, that people right, don't like. Right, 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 right. It's like this is what elections are for. You know, you got to yeah. stand up for elections. It's like that's what they do with this shit. So yeah, but right. um yeah, but 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 let's take a quick break and then we'll talk about really the consequence of so much of the free speech limitation uh, that they've done already. And this is what I'm talking about, where there's risk, there's danger uh, in terms of um, was having La Happy Merchant uh projected all over buildings in West Palm Beach and Jacksonville, Florida, part of your plan because when you when you ban memes online, the memes end up on the side of your fucking bank. So, like in a projector, in a not in, in a laser. So, I mean, I don't know if people have like I'm sure most people have kind of connected that. It's like the it's it's like another form of activism, but it's also kind of the logical conclusion of like, if you ban people from saying things online, then they're gonna eventually just go out and say it in public and find ways of saying it in public in a way that a lot of people can see it. Um, so it's, you know, that's one of the reasons why they do leave the online spaces as kind of like a, um, as, a as a pressure relief valve. Like that's the intent of those things, right? Because if they, if they cracked down on everybody and they said everybody's banned from having the internet, Right. I mean, what do you think the result of that is going to be? You think everybody's just going to sit back and be like, "Oh, well, I guess that's everything. That's all she wrote, guys." It's like, no, people are mad cuz the like society is still here. Like shit still sucks. You can still go out and get shot by a black person, right? Like there's still going to be like danger and people are then going to have no outlet even if it's a fake one um to say anything about it. And it becomes yeah. it becomes a pressure cooker. So, uh we're going to take a break. We'll be right back right here on
2: FTA. You're listening to the show that changed your weekend forever. Fash the Nation. Fash the Nation.
3: Hill is proud to announce the release of a new translation, Leon de Grelle in Exile, by Jose Luis Jerez Reisco. Readers of The Burning Souls will already be familiar with de Grel's life before and during the Second World War, his service on the Eastern Front, and his involuntary post war exile in Franco's Spain. This new work tells the story of his life in exile in detail, replete with first hand accounts from Spanish nationalists and friends of de Grel. During his time in Spain, de Grel did not wallow in sadness despite the atrocities inflicted upon him and his family by the victorious Allied powers. He stayed remarkably active in European nationalist politics and left a lasting impression on both his personal friends and those from around the European world who took inspiration from his tenacious idealism. DeGrel's enduring legacy in Spain is well-deserved. Such a legacy also deserves to be spread to both sides of the Atlantic and beyond. Antelope Hill is proud to be the first to bring this unparalleled biography to the English reader, Get Leon Degrell in Exile today at Antelope Antelope Hill Publishing is proud to present their second annual short story and poetry compilation titled Small Victories. Our history is full of stories of great heroes and great battles won, but this collection explores what it means for our generation to fight the daily battles for duty, love, and faith that add meaning to our lives and spur us on toward greater victories to come. The authors featured in this collection were selected from hundreds of submissions, with special honors going to only the most exceptional selections. They responded to this question with a depth of feeling you simply cannot get anywhere else, a testament to the enduring strength of character that will guide our people through the difficult times ahead. Small Victories was made possible by a host of tremendously talented authors and poets from across the dissident right. Antelope Hill is proud to offer you their contributions in a form that can be preserved for generations to come. Get Small Victories today at antelopehillpublishing.com Antelope Hill is proud to announce the release of a new historical translation, the autobiography of Sir Gütz von Berlichingen, A Knight of the Holy Roman Empire. This legendary 16th century warrior, who was immortalized by Goethe and who gave his name to a famous division of the Waffen-SS, remains an eternal symbol of honor, bravery, and daring. His story is both a deep dive into the history of Renaissance Europe and a classic tale of adventure and camaraderie, sure to offer something to academic and casual readers alike. Gutz's tale was carefully translated by our team from the original manuscript written in an old Swabian dialect from 16th century Germany to give the reader the best possible experience while remaining true to the author's earthy personality. Antelope Hill is proud to be the first publisher to bring this work out of obscurity for the English reader. Get the autobiography of Gutz von Berlichingen today at antelopehillpublishing.com.
2: to fashion the Nation, heard only on the TRS Radio Network.
3: Hello and welcome back to FDN. Glad to have you. If you're a first-time listener to the program, welcome. Um, I've had a lot of those recently. I published all the stats, finally, as promised. If you're interested in seeing those, they're out on Telegram. Check them out. Uh, they're also in last week's show post, um, so definitely check those out. The thing I was saying right before break, I want to continue with here is uh this this uh the laser nazi phenomenon that has been cropping up down in florida is uh i i look at that as a manifestation and a lot of the irl activism whether it's uh njp uh the various groups that have gone out and done protests now i know you know having ht on here it's obviously different types of, of of activism flyering and lasers different from the 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 picking of specific um political issues that the NJP has done. Um, and it's they're both manifestations of uh, online censorship. Now, we would argue that that should be happening anyway, um, but it's going to happen increasingly because it's sort of like a fundamental... There's a reason why the right to speak freely is a fundamental human right. Like, it's a natural thing. People need to be able to do it. Um, it's not for pornography. It's not for uh, lewd commentary and and other things, um, guilty of saying the F word too many times, though we may be on this program. Um, but it's not, it's not intended for the things that Jews have argued for, uh, in the past. And so there is a desire to speak out against authority, especially when it's corrupt authority, it's subversive authority. And in, in the case of the authority that exists in the world today, it's authority that's actively trying to kill us. Um, through a number of different means. And so you had a lot of activity over uh, Martin Luther King weekend, uh, including a black shootout at a Martin Luther King event. I don't know if you saw that, Warren, but there was um, some sort of – yeah, there's like it turns into a black mass shooting. Uh eight people to the hospital. Nobody dead, of course. That's how you know it was a black mass shooting because the, the, the kill count is just extremely low. We can't hit anybody. But yeah, it's like at a Martin Luther King event, like this is what happens. Uh it was the it was the Martin Luther King family fun day. <laughs> In Fort Pierce, Florida. Oh man. Family fun, right? Uh yeah, it's just out there celebrating. Now if we were doing the Rudolph Hess Family Fun Day, Warren. Do you think there would be like a white mass shooting where we all kill each other for no reason? I mean, it's just. No. No. <laughs> just insane. no. Yeah.
4: It's insane. Uh, yeah. Yeah. this Well, did you see the uh, statistic? I got this. Uh, Spectre put this out, uh, Trey, that the 2021 murder rate by sex and race per 1,000 population. And uh, if the rates hold. It was 0.274% of white males, 4.5% of black males, 0.174% of Hispanic. uh, Commit murder in their lifetime, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, he, he said one out of every 25 black males you meet Will or has committed murder in his lifetime. One out of any every twenty five. That's a terrifying statistic, but it's why people get a little. They cross the street, you know, when they see a black mm-hmm. guy. So yeah, that's definitely would hold true of uh, MLK family fun days.
3: Yeah, and it's true too because um, I mean we don't even know. I don't know where uh, Spectre sourced his, his da- dadder, data, but um, you know we've known. In the last year, the FBI just switched to the new Niebuhrs system um, where all these local police departments haven't upgraded to it yet, probably intentionally, but also because it's expensive. Uh, and then all these major cities just can't send their crime data. So whoopsie-daisy, don't have a uniform crime report that's complete, which in years where there's been steady increases in violent crime, um there's no there's no information to show uh, about like w- what is actually happening so right. um we c- we can extrapolate what those numbers are likely to be but um i'm sure the numbers are 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 high anyway um but but it's like nobody that's another issue that that only nazis are talking about um is is the fact that we don't even know what the crime rates really are and that should scare a lot of people um mm-hmm. because it's a lot worse than it really is than it may appear so um but what i wanted to talk about here with the the weekend is um i saw that there was one thing that happened uh but then there were two things that happened and then it would turned into a very big deal and uh jonathan greenblatt was was freaking out and Reddit and Twitter and a bunch of other places were, were blowing up, um, but uh, the in Jacksonville, the uh, National Socialist Florida group and uh, the GDL in West Palm Beach, uh, I don't know that this was on the same night. I think this was on different nights, um, but same Martin Luther King weekend uh, with lasers, uh, various images, get happy merchant silhouette and whatnot. Um, there's a lot of video. Of this Dissident Mag, dissidentmag, magcom There's a, an article that I wrote called MLK MLK Weekend Recap: Laser Waffen Strikes, Showa and Boca, Greenblatt Rages, MLK Event Becomes Black Mass Shooting. Check that out. Uh, lots of links to all of the. It, you know, remember the good old days, Warren, of um, the the delicious salt um, from tr- stuff that Trump would say. Well, we're right. we're making our own salt now because the the Reddit the Reddit board uh with the headline of what the fuck is going on in jacksonville with like a swazi on the side of the building is the the picture it's like 692 comments and has been shut down um these people are uh very black-pilled one of the comments was i'm getting sick of this it makes me really inclined to leave altogether, like just like leave the city and go someplace else. Right. <laughs> so, um, so these people are mad, uh, and the, you know some of the stuff that they were projecting on the building uh, was great. Merrick Garland is a rat faced Kike Jews did nine eleven. FBI helped. Where's the lie? FBI protects Jewish pedophiles for the ADL. Anti semitism is self defense. It is self defense. Um, and lots of people freaking out. The 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 building in West Palm Beach was actually. Um, a building across the street from the FBI in West Palm Beach. So um, that elicited almost an immediate response from Stop Anti-Semitism on Twitter. Uh, and they were saying that the police were called and yet did nothing. Um, <laughs> and it's like, well, what, what are they going to do? Uh, and so Jacksonville City Council on, I think it was the 16th, which would have been uh Monday night so on the on the evening or during the day on Martin Luther King Day um there were rumors swirling around that the Jacksonville City Council was going to uh put forward some kind of a uh legislation stopping the projection onto their buildings And then later that day, that was confirmed by a city council member by the name of Rory Diamond. Now, Rory (laughs) Diamond, um, I thought was Jewish. If you Google Rory Diamond, I mean, it's like, first of all, Dustin Diamond, the guy from uh, Screech from Saved by the Bell, Jewish, like anybody named Diamond. It's like (laughs) anybody with a jewel in their name. Um, But I can't confirm this guy's actually Jewish. He he may be a mishling i don't know but i'm not going to you know i don't have evidence to say that he's jewish i've never heard of anybody with that name that's not jewish uh, but but he is a former college republican president um he is a conservative member of the jacksonville city council and um he has teased a republican run for the 4th congressional district in florida and so this guy is going to be the tip of the spear for Jews, maybe as a Jew himself, don't know, um, for proposing this legislation to make it illegal, and not just illegal, but criminal, six months in jail, $2,000 fine, and make it a civil infraction, which means that you can also be sued by the building owner for projecting any messages on any building without the express uh, permission of the property owner. Now, of course, when Robin Bell... Um, projected messages like shithole and poop emojis all over the Trump International Hotel in Washington, D.C. for literally every day for four years, there were no such interruptions. Um, but if you're putting a silhouette of La happy merchant or anything else on the side of a building, um, that's suddenly a problem. Now, what's interesting about this is if Rory Diamond uh, has political conservative political aspirations, and... Um, being against free speech in such a like outward way, like a very very like obtuse way, I don't know how that's going to play very well for you, Rory, uh, because you know in in MAGA country in in Florida, why would those people want to support you? I mean, the message I, I get it, like oh, we can't have extremism against Jews, but you you essentially have silenced free speech. Um, you know you do it in other ways, but now you're going to go on record as as being this guy. And it shows you ultimately like who he serves and that he will put himself at a, at a political disadvantage to be kind of at at the forefront of this message. He may be a Jew himself. I don't know. Um, and in which case it's like, you know why why wouldn't they do that? Um, but so that that is out there. That's going to be a, a law that they're trying to propose. Um, there's a bunch of case law that people are sort of looking through because the question then becomes, does that apply to a post office? Does that apply to city hall? Does that apply to a a bridge, like a freeway bridge, which is like public property? Because then it's like, so whose permission do you get to do that? And why do you need to get permission? It's public property, right? So there's a whole bunch of questions about that. And Will they use this as as a way to to ban hate speech in other places? If they can ban it from being projected onto a building without someone's permission, can they ban it from being put online without the permission of the owner? Right? Do you have Do you have Elon Musk's permission to to post um, a happy merchant? Well, no. So you're banned, and you get six months in jail and a two thousand dollar fine. So it's it's interesting to see whether or not they'll succeed because this is like uk tier type of stuff that they're trying to yeah put in place yeah in well
4: I, I went through with uh we had jack mccracken on anybody who hasn't heard it please go and listen to the mike and warren report uh from last night thursday um we had yes. on jack mccracken to discuss his article and we just spent the whole episode going through his article about this young man who uh uh is accused and he's you know he's pleading innocent but he was accused of posting some stickers up in new york state and uh with with less than a dozen stickers, uh, he wrote a great. Uh, Jack wrote a terrific article on the um, uh, the Justice Report about this. But half a dozen, less than half a dozen stickers, and they're charging him with a felony, um, uh, a class E felony in New York, which would basically strip him of all his civil rights for the rest of his life, and he could get up to five years in prison. And they're they're doing it through uh, this Jewish New York law where they're saying that um, you you basically can't post uh, a swastika or a burning cross, one or two other things publicly. Um, If people see it, it, it's felony harassment and intimidation and a hate crime. And they also used red flag laws then. Once this was invoked, they used red flag laws. And deputies came to his house and basically told him, you can either take us room by room through your home and give us all your guns Or we're going to come back with like 15 deputies and just completely destroy your house, basically, just ransack it uh, and and take all your weapons away from you. And uh, it's just like you said, it's very much like a U.K. thing. This is in New York state, but they have several laws there on the books. And there's another one that's right now uh, with social media that are blatantly unconstitutional, blatantly unconstitutional, just outright repealing the First Amendment effectively. Uh, and they're just pushing it, you know, and they're trying to get it done. So you know, anti-Semitism, swastikas, the swastika, the the point I made on that show, and that I've made before. Is that the swastika flag has essentially become the de facto flag of free speech, where you can flag yes. fly that flag? It is it, really. And it's not a joke because where it's where can- it's
3: where Jews draw the line yeah. as like absolutely verboten. And right. so it becomes the thing. It's like, are you sure you want to do that because now you've made that the thing, right? Yes, yeah. yeah. and when we what
4: what was happened, jazz was funny. I didn't get a chance to tell you while we were doing the show, we were talking about how, the good thing about an article like this, because Jack is the only one who has done any substantive journalism on this issue, uh, you know, aside from, like, local news reports where they're like, oh, police are investigating a Nazi who posted hateful images, and then they talk to the local representative of the Jewish group, who's like, yeah, it's on the rise. We need to do something about it. So it's just like, that's that's not ju- news. That's not journalism. Jack did this deep journalism on how this young man's civil rights have been not just violated, but just like raped and and left bleeding on the floor. And uh, how we were talking about how it puts pressure then on like alt light tier. Clickbaity conservative outlets or, or like Laura yes. Loomer types then have to talk about it because we're talking about it and they don't want to miss out. And while we were doing the show, in real time, someone sent Jack, there was an Infowars segment, not Alex yeah, Jones I himself. Saw yeah, I mean, but it was amazing. because And this guy spends the half the segment talking about how he doesn't agree with Nazism and he doesn't like Nazism and he, of he is opposed yeah. to everything that the swastika stands for, but then he had to well, say... But
3: they're the only ones talking about it. Yeah, Right, exactly.
4: right. It was funny because because he had to basically make the argument that the swastika is the litmus test of free speech where you can publicly display the swastika that shows you have free speech and if if you cannot publicly post the swastika you have lost your basic fundamental constitutional classical liberal enlightenment right to free freedom of speech so uh yeah it's just funny how it always that becomes the thing that that where where they want to push these laws like this one in Florida that are just completely in effect repealing the first amendment you know
3: Mm -hmm. yeah it is and it's it's um there there's a lot to talk about with this too and we'll we'll talk about it at some point because i'd like to do somewhat uh, of a deep dive um on it but just to give you a flavor of this because this is a this is a uh, harvard law review article from 2020 it's pretty recent recent and it's entitled property and projection. And a lot of it is dealing with the case law. And um, it says that uh, in recent years, a unique form form of protest has grown in popularity, projecting messages onto buildings with light. And this could apply to banner drops as well. But um, during a labor dispute in Nevada, union members put a message that noted a restaurant's health code violations onto that restaurant. In 2013, Kanye West debuted his music video for the song New Slaves on 66 buildings and in at least some instances without required permits. The group Survivors of the Abortion Holocaust uh, routinely projects graphic images on restaurants and Planned Parenthood facilities, and in one case, put a nativity scene on the local American Civil Liberties Union, the ACLU. Uh, T-Mobile has tried to create viral content for its social media pages by projecting its logo and advertisements on the side of Comcast's Philadelphia headquarters. Mm -hmm. And perhaps most famously, protesters have used projectors to place emulements. welcome over the doors of President Donald Trump's D.C. hotel. Now, of course, they don't say what I said, which is it's this one person that was doing that for four years and they make it seem harmless, like emulements welcome. Uh, and it, it like, you know, emulements welcome and poo emojis. Hey, man, you know, if, if you support my right to put up a Nazi flag, then I support your right to do poo emojis, even if I don't like it. Um, now you start projecting pornography, then we're gonna shut you down but uh you know i I can't people can't complain too much but the thing i'm highlighting is the fact that the the media covered this as though it was this funny oh look what they're doing to donald look at donald trump right right right. what's happening to his hotel (laughs) what's happening to him it's like you know what that's how i feel though about the happy merchant all over the fucking Wells Fargo building. Look at that. So we're all having a laugh at your expense too, Shlomo, And they're they're not happy about it. At least two courts have considered tort claims by private property owners seeking to stop displays like these, targeted projections, also known as projection bombing or guerrilla projections, and neither decision came out favorably for the owner. Indeed, targeted projections do not seem to give rise neatly to liability under any property tort framework. So current legislate current tort Uh, law does not support lawsuits against people who are using the projectors. Courts in most states have held that invasions of property by particulates like noise, smoke, odor and light are not actually trespasses. And if owners try to claim that projections are private nuisances or even trespass in the few states that would consider light under that rubric, the relevant tests require physical harm, actual damage or significant interferences with the use of property harms and temporary projections do not typically cause. And this is one of the reasons why in talking um, to the guys that, that uh, were, were doing the laser stuff uh, in both places, that the – police intentionally fly, flew their helicopter in in between the beam of the projector and where it was being projected in an effort to try to claim, and they did claim and failed at proving the claim, that the projector was being shined at the helicopter to try to get them on some sort of, um, you know, terroristic sort of, uh, you know, interfering with a uh, flight of, a, of a, an aircraft, blah, 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 blah. But because these guys film what they're doing from like seventy nine quadrillion angles, um, that that is bullshit, and it was proven to be bullshit. But it shows you what that that they know. like the system knows what tort says, and if a lawsuit actually went forward, they don't really have a lot unless they make some revisions to the law and see, you know, Jews. Jews have a lot of power, but this is a huge risk. They don't actually have a way to stop this. this is, is, is the TLDR on a lot of this? Um, even on private property, because you know, they some of this you want to say, well, it does cause you know, Jews would try to say it does cause physical harm, for the same reason that they say that Donald Trump's anti-immigration legislation uh, or or executive order, orders were thrown out by the the circuit courts because it was harming illegal immigrants. Remember, Warren, that was like a new a new, new precedent in law that the law is actually unconstitutional if it causes harm to minorities. Remember, they right, threw right, out right. a lot of Trump stuff like this. Now, of course, you can argue, well, that was on purpose. It was a good cop, bad cop with Trump, whatever. Set all that stuff aside. That has been burned into people's minds where they, like, leftoids actually believe. And there was a video I saw this this week of this big fat Triglypuff Puff type woman trying to stop a banner drop and screaming hysterically at the cops because she thought that the cops had to stop these uh, Holocaust denial banner drops that were happening because it's harming Jews. She said, this is illegal. Don't you understand? And the cop even said, I don't think you know what you're talking about. And it like, made her even more angry because these people actually, like they sucked up all this propaganda and they actually believe that it's illegal to – say certain things if it hurts certain people. And so right. Jews would try to make that argument, but legally the way the framework actually works, it doesn't actually work that way. Cause you're not causing physical harm, right? Like if yeah. the guy, if some poor guy who has a home that is next to an area that is not zoned residential and has some fucking rallies, gigantic, like neon LED billboard that goes up that is like blasting that guy with light, if there's no law in the state protecting that guy from the 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 burger stand doing that, I've seen the court law or the case law for this. They lose those lawsuits. and it's the guy's home can be bathed in like the equivalent of like fucking sunlight. And he loses because he's they can't actually prove that that's harm. I know that sounds ridiculous. And like a thing like that, you would, want to have the law structured in a way where that guy can fucking sleep at night without like globo homo burger capitalism like blasting through his bedroom window but at the same time it's like this kind of stuff they don't they don't really have a a leg to stand on um so let me continue with this cuz it's just one paragraph because the projections are often fairly short in duration and do not cause lasting damage to the structure or its value They will not support nuisance claims. Efforts to combat light projections outside the common law, say through existing local ordinances on light pollution, graffiti, or quote, unlawful posting of advertisements, have also tended to fail to prevent targeted projections, whether because they have been construed to apply only to physical postings, because they cover advertisements, but not all forms of messaging, or because they contain other limitations. To date, light protests on private property have occurred primarily on the side of commercial buildings. Future projections might be turned on residences and homes. I see no reason why that would happen. Uh, While many of the projections so far are political, one can imagine other light messages ranging from the critical to the commercial to the idiosyncratic, oh God, to the anti-Semitic. Imagine, for example, PepsiCo choosing to project its logo on New York facades instead of buying billboards or an exuberant neighbor deciding to light up all the houses on the street with falling snowflakes during the holiday season. Yeah, I mean, you can see where this would run off the rails or perhaps La Happy Merchant projected on the side of Wells Fargo. Um, and and they have a problem with this. So they're trying to come out with this law that says six months in jail, $2,000 fine. Um, and whether or not that will be upheld as, as constitutional, uh, I don't really know. And even if they do put that up, it's like, okay, so – lasers not, don't go on banks they go on bridges they go on um i mean how many big flat surfaces that are public property uh, are there um where all of the nuisance pollution all that stuff doesn't apply um there's also been a million dollars invested in Jacksonville's, like, anti-Semitism fund. So these people are definitely um, freaking the fuck out right now uh, with with all of this. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do, especially with regard to this Rory Diamond, um, this conservative who's, like, at the head of all of this trying to push for um, silencing free speech, effectively. Um, so uh, – but, but Jews did this to themselves because – they prevented us from having open, free, and fair political discourse online. Um, this is, I mean, it was it was gonna be a natural phenomenon anyway, because people, you can't only fight these battles online, but um, they did this to themselves in the sense that if you want more people offline, putting things on the side of your buildings with a projector, well then, or you want the NJP, Protesting on behalf of white victims of black crime, well, they 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 they've silenced everybody's speech and they abandoned the field of battle. There's nobody standing up for those victims in Fargo, in Akron, and Waukesha. Literally nobody, and they came up with ways that people in those communities could stick a blue light bulb outside of their home, and stay inside and not do anything because. Right. Right, it's, right, easier right, right. Yeah. it's easier to do that. It's easier to do that. So anyway. Yeah. Um yeah. Well, and on
4: this, uh, it's just, it's funny how, because uh, <laughs> we were, again, I was talking about this a little bit with Mike and Jack last night, how the system, the, the, the problem that they have and the thing that we must always exploit is the contradiction. And this is what I said uh, the other summer when I gave a speech about, about, legitimacy or power you know always force them to choose one or the other and they have this contradiction where they claim to be liberal democracy and they claim to be all about freedom and yet they want to shut down every form of criticism of the people actually running things and this is an uncomfortable position for them to be in and this is why it's important to do you know everywhere we can press any single place we can press whether it be online whether it be IRL uh, you know, with with, you know, uh, H.T. and his guys are very good at uh, and we talked about how they have, do like a combo of low tech and high tech, you know, with the little bags of corn with a pamphlet in it. And then you have something very high tech and futuristic like this laser projection projection. But any kind of thing where you're pressing them uh, on this contradiction, because then they have to revealed they either have to let it go, which increasingly they they are unwilling to do because it just does yeah, too much do damage. That. Like Kanye West mm-hmm. on Twitter, you know, just blasting out to 32 million followers um, all these truths about Jewish power, and it's like they can't let that go. So they would much rather, you know, take the hit on their legitimacy generally than uh, and, and then not enforce their power and then have that stuff just spread willy nilly. However, there comes a point at which it, it's, it's attrition. We are wearing down their legitimacy. And mm-hmm. there comes a point at which they are going to need that legitimacy, maybe to prosecute a war in Iran, maybe to do something else,
3: maybe, you know, any number of things. Just like they needed the legitimacy to stop Hitler, but, you know, it's like, yeah. can they do? I, I say this all the time. Look at all the white men. And white, white, like white masculinity that was required to put Hitler to bed in the way that was done. All the capital, they can't do that again. That was a no. one-time thing. That's right. like your whatever that stupid game show was, where you have one lifeline. And Jews did their World War II already. They did World War One and World War Two. Though your, your lifelines are gone, Shlomo. So it's like you, you can either you can either deal with us and give us power which you can't do because it's the end conclusion or you can fight us and reveal yourselves and that's what they've done eat every single time it's it's the war of attrition will continue to rage and i'll even point this out because i knew you have to go and i just want to do this one last story because it it, like i didn't even include i didn't even get to include this in my article i was originally going to put this article out when the laser stuff happened but then like a second laser thing happened and then uh, the paper were in Boca Raton and that became a big blow up and I didn't even hold on. Let me read the Jonathan Greenblatt thing first and then, uh, then, then we'll do the, the last article because I didn't even get to read what Greenblatt's reaction was. So he said this the morning after um, the laser uh, projection happened in West Palm Beach. And he says, GDL has been responsible for the mass uh, genocide, I mean dissemination of vitriolic anti-Semitic content. And as we have learned time and time again, hateful words fuel hateful actions, even though there's no evidence of that whatsoever. We must not stand idly by as this deplorable group gains traction and continues to put Jewish communities in danger. See, there it is. That's the physical harm that there's no evidence for whatsoever and only evidence actually to show that it's usually a Jew who actually goes out and does some sort of physical harm in those communities. And I'm not Jew jacketing people who put up swastikas or any of the other stuff because I know that's like people see this on a building and they're like, oh, a Jew must have done it. No, it's not. Those guys, the guys that are doing it, not Jewish. But but when you see somebody actually like vandalizing a a synagogue or a cemetery, um, invariably, and I can pull up uh, conviction after conviction after conviction of oh no, that guy actually turned out to be a Jew um, when you see that because th- those are the guys that are con- that are trying to make the connection between free speech and physical harm, right? Because Jews themselves have to make that connection because nobody else is doing it. We aren't going out and doing any acts of violence because we are nonviolent. Nothing we are doing, we are not promoting it. Um, We do not condone it. We condemn it when it happens. And so Jonathan Greenblatt just is trying to do two plus three equals, you know, six million. And uh, it just doesn't add up, Jonathan. It doesn't add up. But this is, the, I think, the way that they want to go because this is how they're going to make the legal argument in court, and they're going to use Jonathan Greenblatt and things Jews say about the issue to convince a judge who's already in the pocket of them to say, well, experts say that this speech leads to violence, and, and I think that's what it does. So I'm going to have to da, – da, 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 da. but they're going to have a very hard fight, and we have to make them fight. So yes. in, in whatever, in whatever forum that we're in, but anyway, last, th- so all the things that happened Martin Luther King weekend, I didn't even get this until after the article went up and whatever, Michigan university rally calling for intifada demise of inner of Israel stuns internet, a call to murder Jews, social media users were shocked and outraged over a recent anti-Israel rally put on by pro-Palestinian protesters at the university of Michigan. Clips of the protest depicted marchers chanting Intifada, Intifada, long live the Intifada, a call to violently overthrow the Jewish state as opposed to the violent overthrow of the Palestinian state, which Jews are doing right now and is legally sanctioned by pretty much every politician in America with anti-BDS legislation, um, inspired by Palestinian riots and rebellions against Israel in the late 80s, 90s and early 2000s. There is only one solution a female marcher has seen chanting Intifada revolution. Well... If your neighborhood is being bulldozed by armored bulldozers and your children are being murdered by Jews, um, is are there is there a whole buffet of solutions that you can pursue, Warren, uh, that haven't already been pursued? I mean, you know, for these people, like, I mean, they're the, the, it's, when they say we've been, we're being genocided, like they they even call them liars to their face, even though you right. can see, you know, yeah, so. This was this is all over Ann Arbor. Bullhorns, Palestinian flags. Um, they're very upset about this, uh, and um, you get all of these responses um, from Jews uh, for this. Jared Moskowitz of Florida, uh, some local some some local politician. Uh, tweeted, using Hitler's word solution is intentional here. Israel has a right to exist. We will never compromise that. The Jewish people have a right to exist. We will ensure. It's like, but what about the people who are saying that you're killing them? You don't have a comment? Do they have a right to exist? Oh, you won't yeah. answer that question. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
4: yeah. yeah. The White people have a right to exist. Motherfuckers. You know, I mean, it's just like, you mm-hmm. know, yeah, yeah, exactly.
3: Palestinians and Palestinians do too. So, yeah. And, and of course, author author Samuel Rosenfeld tweeted, uh, "Just uh, sickening."
1: Uh. I mean, how, and many, Isaac,
3: how many? Let me just say, how many? How many? Like,
4: how many people could say in their little fucking Slack at work, could they post a message saying white people have a right to exist, or or you know, German ethnic Germans have a right to exist, or you know, whatever? ethnic british people have a right to exist and it would like get you in trouble with hr or get you possibly fired from your job if you posted that mm-hmm. in your in your uh, chat you know what i mean oh, yeah. like it's just it's just it, it, that that's all you need to know that's all you need to know when they say when they say oh israel has a right to exist uh, you, you're you're doing a little more than existing. That's the issue. Mm-hmm. You're not
3: just existing. There's quite a bit more that you're doing beside. Anyway, I'm sorry. it's just triggered. Yeah, me. No, no, it's it's yeah. true because the yeah. the last part of the sentence is Israel. They believe Jews think Israel has a right to exist at the expense of everyone else. That's yes. the full sentence. Yes. And yes. But yes. Look, but but look at the opposition to this. Look at the opposition to this. Free Beacon reporter Joe Gabriel Simonson mocked the protesters, tweeting, "Loser activists think that this is an intifada." Well, G, uh, Joe, obviously you You see people seem very upset. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah Ilya Ilya shapiro put out a snarky comment about the protest from the Manhattan institute um you know talking about this it's because university of michigan spends 18 million dollars on diversity and inclusion see conservatives take the point of the brown palestinian and that's the we spend so much on diversity and inclusion this is what you get uh ted cruz of texas national security advisor boris rivkin condemned the rally writing terrifying echoes of what happened in Charlottesville, except the violent anti-Semites are cut from a totally different cloth. I expect major media to give this the saturated wall-to-wall coverage it gave that event with the white So he's like saying, oh, the woke crowd won't actually do anything, right? It's the same thing. Popular conservative AG account tweeted, I don't think most people truly comprehend the level of hate and hostility for Jewish students in several of the top liberal universities because the school administrations tend to support enable this stuff. I mean, they might as well just say, white liberalism did this, right? This is white liberalism. And yeah. so they create this they create this narrative about this. but just you know, reading this stuff and doing the shock and awe. Take a step back and think about this for a second, too. And I'm talking to the audience. It's not you, Warren. Sorry, I always do that. Like, I don't want you to think I'm talking directly to you. Yeah, I um, was like,
4: you, you wound me, Jess. You
3: know, you, think you about Warren. Th- think about it, Warren. Think about it. No, just <laughs> kidding. Um, when I posted the, the Dissident Mag article, I, I did the teaser headline, and it should apply to this story, too, which was um, R.I.P. Jonathan Greenblatt's inbox because I, I said this to HT, it's it's true for um, NJP as well. It's true for anybody that goes out and, and gets a reaction. Uh, even these the, the people at University of Michigan too. It's it's every time there's a laser shine at a building, there's a protest in Waukesha because it got an immediate reaction from you know, the, the senator, two sitting senators, they had to immediately respond to it. Um, and with this, it's like the full spectrum of the ideological spectrum. Um, you are resulting in a phone call. Like Jonathan Greenblatt's inbox and his text messages, I'm sure are filled to the brim. Like when they call, I'm sure other Jews have been trying to get a hold of Jonathan Greenblatt, and it's like, I'm sorry, but the voicemail box that you're calling is full. Please call back later. It's like, it's, it's like, <laughs> like literally like filled this up, and it's and it's the, these people. It's like the whole weekend. Like these these people have not gotten a a weekend of peace at all. Um, and and that's good because they're causing um, discomfort and, and death and deaths of despair for, for our people. And they've been doing it for decades. Uh, they've been doing it for centuries. And so the fact that people are just reacting to them, these are minor protests. Like we're talking about, I'm not trying to belittle any of the things that we're doing, but from the perspective of like all the things that they say that we're doing, it's like, you're talking about lasers on buildings. You're talking about little paper flyers in Ziploc bags. Uh, you're talking about, um, NJP going up to various places that black crimes have been committed against innocent whites where there should be a groundswell of support from that community defending those people in those communities but they're, they've been, they been pushed into their homes and, and under duress, under threat by, oh, I don't want to be called a racist or I don't want to, you know, whatever. All the things, all the reasons that have inhibited a natural response to this. And Jews are acting like Crystal knocked is just around the corner. Right. Because of just a little bit of criticism, just a tiny little bit. And it shows you how fragile they are. It shows you how fragile they are. Like we they have to ban shining lights on buildings because people are finding out about Jewish power. Right. Um it's really, you know, it's like, well, this is you 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 kicked everybody offline. I mean you you went out and you were kicking people out of the military for having pro life opinions on their Facebooks. I mean, yeah. this is like levels of overreach that shouldn't even be possible. Right. Um, and it's a so drip, all I'm drip, saying, drip, It's, a, yeah, it's with, a good thing, yes. With the, yeah, with the legitimacy,
4: again, all this stuff, always think about that. We are fighting a long war, and it is a war of attrition. We are, politically speaking, we are a nonviolent, peaceful, political insurgency. To this evil Zog system, and so all of our peaceful, nonviolent uh, acts of protest, all our uh, political expression, even if it's not yet to the point where we're winning elections, where we're where we're you know waging uh, much larger fights that we're working to build up to, uh, takes a while. But every little thing, every and this goes back to Twitter when we were on Twitter and and the stuff that was going on and then the week or two that we were on Twitter. Every time they have to uh, use one of their powers to just shut down free speech, and any time it can be exposed as such it does it, it they are depleting their store of legitimacy and when they run it out there is a political yeah. cost i mean yes you, exactly. you have political, political capital like the,
3: yeah right They're like when a new president it. comes into office like they usually have one major objective that they burn all their political capital on with right with barack obama it was uh, universal health care with uh, which wasn't really universal um right. with um with Donald Trump, it should have been the wall in immigration, but it was tax reform. The tax reform, easy. the tax cut, yeah. Exactly. And they burn it all, and they burn all that political capital, and it usually results in a pendulum swing, which is orchestrated by Jews trying to balance the system and whatever. But but that's – that's this is what always happens. I mean they even – like these are just people who are supporting a, a state that is at, being genocided in ways worse than in America – Um, And these are people just standing up for it on a college campus with signs. And you get people like Daniela Greenbaum Davis saying the first and second Intifada saw terrorists brutally murder innocent civilians. I can't even imagine being a Jew on Michigan's campus right now, implying that Jews on Michigan's campus are like a second away from terroristic death at the hands of these protesters like right. this is how this is how these people the hyperbole these people have to traffic in in order to protect their hegemony because right. it's really on that dangling on that thin of a line it's like and and when and when you have conservatives out there trying to do the oh this is woke stuff pay no attention to this it's like this is why whenever somebody's like you guys standing up for those brown palestinians again ha it's like this is why we do because they're out there mounting an effort to get you to say, oh, uh, you standing up for those brown idiot like troglodytes. It's like, yes, I am because they compare those people to what happened in Charlottesville for a reason. And Ted, so Cruz's, Ted Cruz's uh-
4: – uh, foreign advisor, foreign policy advisor, that's the crazy thing about that the guy comparing mm-hmm. them, you know, because Ted Cruz has been saying a lot of good things lately in the Congress, you know, when he's been standing up and you, you, you catch headlines in the news and it's like, man yeah. Ted Cruz is, you know, taking it to the, like the FBI, you know, he's sticking it to the FBI, he's giving them a grilling and here's his foreign policy advisor, his chief advisor for his foreign policy, because you know Ted Ted Cruz is going to keep running for president for the rest of his life and this guy is is like comparing the Palestinians to the the pro Palestinian uh, uh, activists on college campuses to Charlottesville. I mean, it's just like that tells you everything you need to know.
3: Yeah, and I'm this this article that I'm reading is is on Fox News, and it just served an advertising video with the title. Ty- and this is the note that we're going to be checking out of the program today. the The title of the video was. I married my cousin, we had a baby, and everything turned out fine. I have had enough of conservative media for today, Warren. Um, I am going <laughs> yeah. to, uh, I'm going to be checking out now. I'm signing off of uh, FTN, and uh, I know you have to do the same, so we'll catch up with everybody next week. Um, and thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, catch you guys later. Bye-bye.
1: you to Resolution Radio, 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 ResolutionRDO.com.
0: Hi, this is Ron Paul. I am a former congressman, physician, and presidential candidate. The world is in turmoil. Things like Ebola, earthquakes, wars, and famines are commonplace as americans we are largely sheltered from these events however in parts of the world just having enough food is a huge problem for some of us there is the nagging thought that we may not always have it so good so we keep some food on hand just in case my family and i have found a product that helps us do this better it's a home freeze dryer from harvest right with it we eat healthier and store a little more food we freeze-dry everything we love to eat, and it lasts up to 25 years. Who knows what the future will bring? One thing certain, my family and I will always have food on the table. To learn more, go to HarvestRight.com or call 800-763-5999. That's HarvestRight.com or 800-763-5999. There was a mighty nation of creation. Charlie Daniels, he's always loved America. He's
1: always defended the Second Amendment.
0: Let me let me just read a little thing here from Agenda 21. The American system of justice must be changed to conform to the rest of the world. Individual rights will have to take a back seat to the collective. Well, you know what the next booth's going to be, don't you? It's going to be coming after you, gun. Oh, yeah. I take it ain't going to sit well down my way at all. It ain't going to sit well. Do you ever wonder what happened to America? It's time to ride, boys. We need a thousand Paul Revere's. When I was a boy, it was okay to be proud of the flag, heritage, mom, and apple pie. And beef was for supper revelation dawn of global government theatrical screenings on demand dvds
2: now available starring alex jones charlie daniels special ops general jerry boykin want to shed some tears over the red white and blue revelation the movie.info let's fix it